The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Ooh-wee, what a show. Over two and a half hours, Dave Esler versus Matty Holt. Fireworks, action, action, action. Speaking of it, BetDSI, special offer. Use promo code BELL101. That's B-E-L-L-1-0-1. And get a special deposit bonus. BetDSI.com, 20 years online. Reputation, great service, fast payouts. December, January, into March. Think about the next four months. College bowls. NFL and the regular season playoffs into March Madness. Wowza, we'll be here with a dream preview. And also, if you need an extra out, give betdsi.com a try. Because why? Because one, I think there's value for you guys having an extra number, especially if you have less than three. If you have three or more, hey, it's nice. No big deal. If you have less than three, you need three if you really want to max your chance to win. And if they give you a deposit bonus, it's, well, <laughs> you're getting a bonus. So go to, if interested, BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101, bell one oh one, on to the jam-packed Big Action Podcast. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. NFL Week 13 edition with an expanded Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, a little too smug for his 4-8 and eight record on best bets. The Vig Matty Holt. To my right, the only two-time Super Contest champion, Steve Fezzik, special guest, straight out of Florida, Dave Esler. I'm RJ Bell. Guys, two big storylines this week. One, the guys that just don't like each other. And that's the thing. It's not personal. It's not personal. It's ego. It's attitude. It's out desire to be an alpha. Dave Esler, not from Vegas, from Florida. But this is a guy on pregame.com has as many winners as anybody. Literally, mathematically, as many as anybody, including Fezzik. On the other hand, Matty Holt, let's be honest, a privileged upbringing. A lot of things have fallen his way. And he has that confidence that comes from exploiting gamblers for all those years with the plus 110. And even the plus 110, you would have thought, that's enough. But no, it was like 40% holds on future bets. And it just, it seeps into your bones. You know, you're either on our side of the counter, Fez, fighting the good fight, or you're with the evil empire, the dastardly bookie. Offering the Cubs to win the World Series at 2-1. to one. Yeah. Shame, shame, <laughs> shame. And now he's less than a year out of it, and but he still has that little smug smile. How you feeling, Manny? All right, hold on, hold on. We know you want to get to this. We'll get to it, Matty. Hi, 
I'm Matt Holt, a.k.a. The Vague, and I went 3-0 and and won $1,500 last week, and I'm up $2,170 on the show with the green buttons. Everybody pays The Vague. <laughs> I wonder if he was on the toilet thinking that. Let me ask you. You're 4-8 on your best bets. If you would just be... Five and three, <laughs> we'd be in first place in the Super Contest. Yeah. How much culpability do you feel? Well, <laughs> not a ton. <laughs> Fez. Hi, I'm Steve Fezzik. I went one and one. I broke even last week, which increased my winning percentage. Somehow, when I go head to head, especially against the VIG, I lose. I'm down $2,670 year to date. I mean, Everything you say is convoluted. Like you found some way to like make it eight directions. How much did you lose last week? Zero. How much did you lose? Have you lost this season? $2,670. Why did you have to say anything else? That's it. <laughs> that said, Fez, what's your record on Fez Fez? 10 and 2. I mean, this is a crazy world we live in. No one ever presses the button on my best bets. They press the button on my fifth like that just barely made my card. All right. I lost. I'm owing to. I was up until that, and now I'm down 480. All right. But the second story, another winning week with our best bets, even though we had to overcome Maddie and Another winning week with all five of our picks. We put them out on Twitter on Sunday at our Jane Vegas. And now it's just simple to say we are in the or in the battle to take home almost 700 K and we're going to keep it going in front of the world. Showtime. All right. We're going to go in rotation order, except for the best bets. And then except for Mr. Esler, our special guest, his best bet will be last. First best bet, Fez, you always get to go first. Honors for your two super contest titles. Best bet. Sunday night football, Chargers, Steelers. I'm on the Steelers minus the three and a half. RJ, I love betting on a team right after I bet against a team and cashed a ticket that maybe I was a little fortunate to cash that ticket. The Steelers actually played a pretty darn good game against a underrated Denver Bronco team. They outgained the Broncos by 200 yards, but minus four in turnovers. And anyone who's been paying attention to these podcasts knows that's like the magic trigger when a team turns the ball over four times and they're still competitive in a game, even if they lose like the Steelers did, we go ahead and look oftentimes to back them going forward because they become undervalued in the marketplace. I expect the Steelers in prime time to bring their A game. I have them rated as a better team than the Chargers. So with Melvin Gordon out for the Chargers, their gifted running back, Steelers have the value. How much is Gordon worth? Half a point. Okay. How much better do you have the Chargers than the Steelers? I've got or the, I'm sorry, flipped. Half a point for the Steelers. So this line should be four? Half a point for the weather, 40 degrees and traveling across the country. So we're laying three and a half and we should be laying four and a half. That's all the value and the best bet of the week. Mm, call it a gut feeling, which has been working well for me this year. I just think. Oh, is that what we're going to do? We're going to just default to any screwed up handicap because you're 10 and two. I don't think it's a screwed up handicap. No, but what I'm saying is that it's screwed up. If that's your only thing is to say, well, my gut tells me so. Like explain the handicap. Where's the, cause this feels more directional to me. This feels like you're right. 
in theory, Pittsburgh would be a little down this, uh, or the public perception on them would be a little down. They almost lost to the Jacks. They lost here. The flips, the Denver. The flip side would be, oh, they're motivated because it takes two close calls or losses for to wake Pittsburgh up. It usually only takes one for another team. But I think they are going to be woken up here. I agree with you. But do you think Sandy or <laughs> Chargers are going to be less than fully motivated? They'll be fully motivated, but the Chargers are not a team I trust, RJ, in a close game or a game where they're an underdog. Yeah, they've, they've got great stats, no question about it. But every time the eye test, whatever. Because if you're down with YPP, they have the best net number in the NFL, correct? Yeah, but you can't be a slave to such a thing. And when, <laughs> you, look, when you look at the Chargers, they just do not play well when the game is close and the game is on the line. And as an underdog here, I think that they'll make some key mistakes. But getting three and a half implies they don't have to win. They can lose a close game and still cover. They can make bad decisions in, in the close game and, they, and then the game gets the, the Steelers pull away. And frankly, and I, it pains me to say this, RJ, I think Tomlin has the coaching edge in this game. Well, I mean, I think most people think Tomlin's a top 10 coach. It's just you guys sitting on your couch on Twitter thinking, oh, I can, I think I understand this metagame better than them so I can critique them. What do you know? What does any of us know about football coaching, really? Could you teach someone how to even catch a ball? Like the, like the, what they should be doing with their hands. Oh, of course. And you not. teach I, a corner how to press. No, I don't know the X's so how, and O's. So, so what is it about Tomlin that you can, this guy's won a lot of games. So I get, we can talk about his meta game, but how, where do you have Tomlin ranked one to 32? Yeah. I like your, he's a top 10 coach, bottom of the top 10. But so it, why would it pain you that there's a coach worse than top 10? Because Tomlin's such a bad game manager. And that's, which is the keys. You obsess over that. I, I you understand that because it's the one thing I know the more of than anybody, than almost anybody else. Oh, anybody. Almost anybody. Did you know that? I heard it. The best, the best in the world. <laughs> You ever dream that an NFL team's going to want to pay you a consultancy? No. Come on. No. All right, Maddie, what do you think on this? I actually have Pittsburgh rated 1.15 points better than the LA Chargers. So, so almost 1.2. Yeah. So when you add in the fact that, you know, Pittsburgh probably should get a more than three point advantage, let's call it 3.2. I get this line at four and a half, and you get Melvin Gordon out, which I do agree with Fez. He's worth a half a point because the other running back is a pass catcher, and now you don't have that combo. We saw it early in the year when the Saints didn't have Ingram and Kamara, it changed their offense. Uh, so I liked Pittsburgh here too. If Fez wouldn't have used it as a best bet, I would have. Wow. So this is like your favorite play too. I like it a lot. Yeah. It just feels like we're talking about half point. Like it, this is something Malinsky used to talk about, which is obviously all half points aren't created equal, right? We talked about when the Chargers were two and a half. Um, check that. When the Rams were two and a half on the neutral, went to three and a half. Everyone's like, I thought home field was three. Well, home field is about 20 set, or in this case, moving through three was like 40 cents of value. That is about three points, normal points. If Pittsburgh were three here, I would love it. I just don't understand what gets us. Like, let's acute. Well, Dave, you also like Pittsburgh. So let's let Dave get in on the mix. I just want to understand how we're accumulating value here. What's getting us enough value to get off of three and enough to lay 110? Dave. 
Well, to me, the Chargers have done it with mirrors, and the, the only two teams with good offenses. They Dave, play. just a little closer to the mic, please. Well, to me, the Chargers have done it's smoke and mirrors. They lost to Kansas City and the Rams, both by far more than three and a half. The only two teams they played with good offenses. They built their stats against Cleveland, the Raiders twice, Seattle, San Francisco, and I, and I think the big thing, and Matt alluded to it a little bit, their backup running back. And, and I, you know, let's assume for even one second that he can run like Melvin Gordon, which he can't. He's an undrafted rookie, 23 years old, out of Western State. I really want to see him try to pick up Pittsburgh's blitz. That's going to be a big problem. Hmm. And Pittsburgh has the most sacks in the league. So what you're saying, Dave, is you don't think Pittsburgh and, and the Chargers are close. Meaning, if you were doing power ratings, what's if this is a neutral, what's the line? Uh, I think Pittsburgh is probably a three-point better team right now. Ooh. Okay. I mean, look at who the Chargers have played. Nobody. I mean, the win against Seattle was the win that kind of convinced me. It a little. was their only good win of the year on the road at Seattle. You can say, you know, they beat Cleveland. They beat Buffalo. They beat the Raiders twice. They lost to Denver at home. Uh, they bounced back last week to beat the Cardinals, who were terrible. I mean, they just don't have any wins you can point to. You know, a look, one point win in London against uh, Tennessee. Yeah, and Tennessee that, goes for two and. You know that that Chargers game in Seattle to me was a was a classic trap. They Seattle had just been at Detroit, and they had the Rams big division game the following week. So I don't think that Chargers win at Seattle was totally unpredictable. So Fez, if it didn't suit you here, what would you say about that Chargers? If, if it didn't suit you being silent, what would you say about that Chargers Denver game? Oh, the Chargers should absolutely have won that game. I mean, they gave that game away to Denver. I could use five points. I'll use one, RJ. It literally, there's a minute 50 left. Denver is out of timeouts. Philip Rivers, who completed 25 of 25 passes the following week, he has to complete a one pass for three yards. His receiver is not open. Instead of just taking the sack, running 40 seconds off, and they win the game, he spikes the ball into the ground, giving Denver the 40 extra seconds they need to secure an undeserved win against the Chargers. So that's what's it. Like we're saying, oh, lost to Denver. But if we wanted to spin it the other way, you would have just done that. Now the Chargers. But, won well, let's that all game. admit that that regardless if if Chargers should have won or not, they underperformed because they were supposed to win by a touchdown or more, and they should have only won by two. Yeah, correct. So all they right. certainly did underperform to expectations in the game. The only reason I like this, and and if I had to have five picks right now, it would be one of them is Steelers are so driven by their motivation, unlike any team in the NFL. And they don't want to lose a second game in a row. And here's something we'll be talking about, I think, the whole rest of the season. Three and four seeds in the AFC really matters because you can avoid the Chargers. I mean, who's going to be the sixth, the second wild card, the sixth seed? Avoid the Chiefs. No. Well, also in theory, though I'm not so sure, do you really want to go to... New England much more than Kansas City, but I'm saying that first round mm. is facing the Chargers. I mean, again, these are almost even teams. And if you went, you know, Pittsburgh, who's the most, if you could take any team right now to be the sixth AFC team, Faz, just off, off your gut, what's it going to be? Wow. I didn't, I got to think about it. Anyone? Colts? Baltimore has got the the nod right now. Colts are probably a better have a better schedule than Baltimore. Yeah, so Colts at Pittsburgh line six and a half or seven, right? At least seven. Pittsburgh at home against Indy is a seven all day. 
I think six, six and a half. You're acting like some big, like you're saying <laughs> yeah. a half point. And this line's three and a half. Mm-hmm. So obviously avoiding the Chargers is something I think everyone's cognizant of, it, or at least Houston and Pittsburgh specifically are cognizant of. I don't think Pittsburgh, especially if you lose this game, it's a double whammy. You've just given that team, it increases the chance you're going to play the Chargers four versus five, and it gives them confidence. You want to just say no, no, no right now. So, and Pittsburgh's defense, man, I, I, here's the paradox with the NFL. I don't think 16 games is enough to really know how good teams are. But then in addition, teams play so differently as the season progresses. Pittsburgh's defense after the first four or five games is so much better than it was in those first four or five games. Agreed. But when we look at the blended football outsiders and everything, they do have the weighted more in some of their views to now, to the recency. But Pittsburgh's D's, I mean, they were, what, 25th or so best first four games? And now I, I would make the case Pittsburgh's about number 12. Look, D. the last six weeks, the Steelers' success on the football field, to me, comes down to one simple thing. How many interceptions is Big Ben going to throw? Because when he doesn't throw any, they blow teams out. When he throws four, they got to struggle to win. Yep. And if you look at that defense, I know Football Outsiders, I believe, has them number 11. But um, from that pure yards per play, and remember, you mentioned it, RJ, they weren't good in, in September. 5.1 yards per play, that is that is a very fine yards per play against on fourth, defense. Fourth best in the NFL. All right, any closing thoughts, Mr. Ashler? No, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with both you guys, all you guys. You haven't said anything I can disagree with. Oh, that's going to change. I, I, I see that coming. <laughs> best bet number two, Matty Holt. We're going to go with the Washington Redskins plus six and a half on Monday night. Uh, this against the Philadelphia Eagles. This is one of those situations here where, again, Philadelphia always gets this love off a win. Anytime this team picks up a win, and oh, by the way, they've yet to win consecutive games at any point this season, uh, then all of a sudden the, the betters are back on them again. And we've seen this week after week after week. It was the same situation two weeks ago against the Dallas Cowboys. Everyone was all... Uh, all over them against Dallas. They got off them last week against the New York Giants. As we saw that line continue to drop in the Giants way, they're right back on them this week off a win in a game again, where it certainly was a 50, 50 game down the stretch. And neither of these teams can score the Washington Redskins this year. have one of the best defenses in football and, and the Philadelphia Eagles that haven't been able to score at any point this season. I mean, and we made a case last week, Philadelphia had three new starters in their secondary and the three people that were new starters in their secondary had a combined one start ever in the entire NFL. Their secondary still banged up. The drop from Alex Smith to Colt McCoy isn't that strong. So, so let's let's put that into numbers. What's the number for you? From Alex points. Smith to Cole McCoy, I have it like a one and a half points, a little less, like a point and a third. Whoa, fast two and a half point. All right, so let's say two points for QB, just kind of average. Okay, good man. But Alex Smith in this offense, they never scored this year, Washington, with Alex Smith. So it, you're telling me that uh, you know Colt McCoy can't come in and score 20 points a game as well because that's all Alex Smith ever did with this offense. Yeah, the question healthy. is, the O line's been beat up so long. How much did that hinder? Like it's one of those things. If the O line's this bad, it doesn't matter who's quarterback. You could make that case. And right? they lost their uh, number one wide receiver as well. Washington did so. So 
Not this week. I mean, Crowder's uh, yeah, been yeah. out all year. No, not it's not Crowder. It's the is it Richardson? I oh, the other it. one now. Yeah. What's the? Let's talk about the because to me, probably two of the most banged up units in the NFL are the O line for the Skins and the D backs for the Eagles. Let's kind of get a update week 13 update here okay so the skins both of their guards are out for the year however their left tackle who is arguably more important than either one of these guards he is questionable but latest report is he is likely more likely than not to play he's gonna have to play like with a cast on his thumb i don't care i don't care he's a (laughs) lineman he's not gonna be catching passes (laughs) okay and d-backs for philly I have not finished my work with the cornerbacks. They were all injured, four of them, and I still have to do my work on that. You got any sense on that, Manny? Yep, I'm looking it up right now. I got it right here. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, Their cornerback, Maddox, questionable. Michael Bennett, questionable. Jordan Hicks, doubtful. Cornerback, questionable. Cornerback, questionable. I I don't see that they have a healthy defensive back on that roster right now. Well, their best one, Darby's out for sure. Jones, Maddox, Mills are questionable. Hicks is doubtful. Uh, You know, Book is out for sure. He's been out. Rodney McLeod's still out, and Darby's out for sure. Okay. So now the question is, can the Skins take advantage with McCoy? The Philadelphia Eagles haven't scored more than 23 points against anybody but the New York Giants all season long. Not just recently, not just in their division. They've yet to score more than 23 against anyone except the New York football Giants this season. You can't lay this many points with a team that can't score in 2018 NFL. That's why I think we have to be on the Redskins plus the six and a half. What would this line be? If Philadelphia had lost against Atlanta in the divisional round last year, Atlanta first and goal at the nine. Fez, you estimate 60% chance Atlanta wins that game at that point. Atlanta wins, and then Philly has this season. I mean, isn't this line three and a half? Three and a half or four. I think it's a great point you're making that that one game has single-handedly Increase the point spread tax on the Eagles two to two and a half points because all we year believe, long we can't yeah. believe this team the Eagles isn't is as bad as they seem. But if you look at Football Outsiders, and again, I am a big fan of DVOA. The Eagles, if you just look at them as a team, their DVOA weighted for the more recent games, but actually it's the same number for them weighted recent or not twenty fourth. That's right. So what I'm saying is, forget the D backs being out, which they're not accounting for here. It's this is the season's results. The Eagle stats are 24th best. Now give them a little bit of an edge for having, you know, Wentz out the first couple games. Cause Wentz is playing decently though. You're right. The ultimate points aren't great for the Eagles. Now, if you look at Washington, they're 18th. Now under that theory, Washington's O line's not being accounted for either though. They've had more, more games banged up on the O-line. So those games are being weighted even more. But it kind of, you know, DVOA is telling us these are even teams. If we assume, or no, it's telling us Washington's better. And if we assume the Philly D-back cluster injuries are about the same effect as the Washington O-line injuries, getting six and a half is a lot of value. Yeah. Plus, you know, Washington's still figures they can win the division. I mean, they're not favored, but they are 
certainly very competitive, right? It's certainly a max motivation spot for both teams. So there's no motivational advantage. And at the end of the day, the Washington def- the Washington Redskins defense, for whatever reason, continues to remain fairly underrated here. That you know, number eight against the run. They have serious positive defensive efficiencies this year that keep them in football games. And in a game against the team that hasn't scored more than 23, they might not have to score more than a couple touchdowns to cover this number. Sure feels like this is going to be 21-20 with two minutes to play. It's going to be a rock fight out there. Yeah. So, Mr. Astler, you don't like, you got five, well, four likes and one best bat. What do you think is the main factor in this game? Well, nobody's brought it up yet, but Washington played Thanksgiving, so they do have a little extra rest there. And, you know, Matt talking about Philadelphia not scoring, I'll just cement that by any, most games Washington's lost aside from the Falcons game, and that was the game their offensive line was at its absolute worst. They haven't lost by more than seven. You know, Houston by two. Uh, I just don't, I just don't, you know. Check okay, that. One boat race against New Orleans, but New, that's what New Orleans does in that dome. Yeah. Speaking of Thursday games, we get this question more than any. Our pod comes out taped Wednesday, comes out Thursday. We don't want to just, you know, a lot of people listen Thursday morning on their commute. And we love you. But what we're going to start doing this week is have a video up from the Straight Out of Vegas radio show on the Thursday game. So we will be breaking that down at RJ in Vegas. Uh, I think I'm good here. Let me look. Downgrade for McCoy. Washington's rushing D is number 28 DVOA. But, I mean, is Philly really running the ball well? Yeah, I agree. I like this. All right. Best bet number two. Redskins plus six and a half. My best bet, and we probably won't talk about this game as much because it's off the board now. And one of the contest things is, hey, they got to put the number up. So they're estimating. So I'm taking the New York, as Maddie would say, football giants plus five and a half. So Fez, let's start with you here. Question about Trubisky. You're a big fan of the backup. One of the best backups in the league. In your mind, what's the line in this game, all things equal, if Trubisky plays and is healthy versus not playing? Trubisky is 100%, then we can go ahead and make the Bears minus five and a half here. Wow. So what we're saying is we're free rolling. The worst case quarterback-wise is Trubisky's 100%, and we've got a fair line at that point. Yes. And even if Trubisky plays, who knows? He might be 80%. And we know exactly where we're at from a New York Giants injury perspective this week because they haven't had any new guys added to the injury report in weeks. The only questionable guy they have is Evan Ingram. And besides that, it's, it's, you know, guys from October hurt. So everyone you, you, that matters for the New York Giants other than Evan Ingram is perfectly healthy, ready to go. Giants are tied for 17th on YPP net football outsiders. It's a, a shockingly, Good number. 16th on way to DVOA. So it feels like this is one of those teams that the record is deceiving. And the fact that the Giants means we're just so attuned to the fact the record's not good. They should have beat Philly. Now we could say, oh, that's going to be the dream crusher. And that's an interesting question. They were talking about winning the division. Is there kind of a second dream crusher? We already had crushed the Giants in a way off the bad start. And then the NFC East blew up. So it was like, oh, we can come back and win it. Is losing that game they should have won. Does it focus them? Or does it, Faz, make them where 
the Giants are like, this is their down game. I don't think it's going to be their down game. They, they've won two of their last three games. Heck, I think they still think if they go eight and eight, they can win the division, frankly, RJ, with their, the competitors that are out there right now. And I, I just want, listen, I've been batting against the Bears and I want to keep batting against the Bears. So, I mean, if this line were, if this game were in Chicago, you flip it six, 11 and a half. I mean, I guess that seems about right. I like that this is in New York because I think it helps the Giants play hard. They don't want to lay an egg, especially last year. They gave up on McAdoo. I think the Giants are going to play harder, especially at home, even though they might not be super competitive right now to win the division. What's your thoughts, Manny? The last three games, the Giants yards per play per game, 6.3. Their offense is firing better the last three games, arguably, than it has at any point this season. They're starting to find positive ways to get Saquon Barkley the football, to get Odell Beckham Jr. the football, to get Evan Ingram mixed in, to get Sterling Shepard his catches. This offense, YPP numbers, have actually been really good. It doesn't always translate to points because Eli, like last week, throws some bad passes like the hanger that he got picked off last week against the Eagles. Uh, but overall, this offense has been very effective and has a lot of weapons. What we're really betting on here is, is there going to be a defensive touchdown for the mm-hmm. Bears? So let's think about on Thanksgiving, how did the Bears cover against the Lions? They didn't outplay them. Game was tied six minutes to go. They get the pick six to cover. How do the Giants not cover some of these games with these outstanding numbers? Like you said, RJ, they have them middle of the road. While they're playing Jacksonville, the game's tied, and Eli throws a pick six, and they lose that game. So it really comes down to, even though it seems like, oh, that Bears great defense, they should get one, right? The bottom line is you can bet on will there be a defensive touchdown, and the no is still a monster favorite, a two-to-one favorite in the game. And if Trubisky doesn't play three and a half? Three. I would have said I would have said one and a half. I didn't think there was that much of a difference, but I didn't like what I saw from Chase Daniel. I think I had Chase Daniel overrated based upon a pretty good preseason, and because I'd read some reports saying that he had come from the Kansas City system that he knew this offense really well. He was not impressive. Held the ball way too long. The one data point I have Thanksgiving without Trubisky, Maddie. What do you got? I also be? think it's probably three, three and a half. Okay. It could be three and a half just because of public sentiment, because the Bears are becoming a public team. And Trubisky is a much, much more effective runner. So I hadn't factored that in enough into my one and a half number before. And I would say this, Trubisky even being questionable as late as Wednesday, I think hurts Trubisky more than typical starters because he's getting coached up so much. If Nagy is doing two game plans right now for two different starters, that feels more negative than a typical situation like this because Trubisky needs so much coaching. And the the script that the first 15 plays of the Bears have been great for the most part of the course of the year, and that won't be as effective probably. All right, so Maddie, you like this too. This was one of your likes. It's my best bet. Mr. Astler, not a like for you. Who do you lean to? Well, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you. Uh-oh. You can press the green button, you know. I'm going to respectfully disagree with you. Okay. How so? Now, I, I, I love what Maddie said about the Giants offense, but against the 49ers, against Tampa Bay, and against the Philadelphia defense that we just talked about, this isn't either one of those defenses. The Bears are plus 106 in point differential. That actually surprised me quite a bit. So to me, you look back at the Giants played Jacksonville when Jacksonville's defense was half decent, couldn't beat them, couldn't beat the Saints. I think the Giants are another team that's 
smoke and mirrors against inferior competition. So to me, I'll go out on a limb here and say I almost would rather Trubisky doesn't play and it's three. I I think that just makes it an easier bet for me. Yeah, and luckily we're picking here, though. And part of this, if we knew Trubisky was 100% healthy, even if you got gave me six, let's say, I don't think I'd play this. I'm playing it with an eye towards worst case, we got a coin flip. And I think that's what Dave's handicapping if Trubisky's healthy. But aren't we forgetting the ultimate? I mean, one of the things that I think is really important about this game is if Trubisky's not anywhere close to 100%, I don't think the Bears risk him because we're all forgetting who's on deck for the Bears, the L.A. Rams the following week. So they're in the ultimate look-ahead spot right here. If they want to have any shot at getting to the number two seed uh, in the NFC, they have to beat the Rams next week. You know, this is a big look ahead spot. And I don't think you risk Trubisky in this spot if he's not ready to go. Yeah, think about that. So if, if Chicago wins next week, they'd be in the two seed, assuming both teams win this week. So Bears have, what's the loss count? It's funny we know all the stats, but the standings. Well, it's eight, I think three. The Bears are lot. eight and three. I think the Rams have Rams only lost one. one. So there'll be a game but out with tie breaks. So yeah, half game out. That's right. Okay. So, well, wouldn't it be wild if the Rams <laughs> were third seed after all the all Fez is strutting? What's the current Super Bowl odds on the Rams, Fez? I think plus three seventy five. And what's the Saints? Saints are. I don't even want to say. I haven't. I haven't. I think like plus two hundred. It was the last I saw. It seems crazy there could be all these teams this low. Those bookies, man. Especially if the VIG's implicit and you can't quite, you know, you need a spreadsheet to figure it out. Ooh, dog. It's like they're running wild. <laughs> I love it when they ask the bookie, well, what, what team do you really get hurt if they win it? And then there's a long pause, like there's, there's nothing but green on my spreadsheet here. Well, you know, they're right, like in the March Madness there might be two teams they'd break even on out of three fifty after expenses and after the party afterwards to celebrate <laughs> those bologna sandwiches, those warm room temperature bologna sandwiches for all the writers from the review journal. All right, Colts, <laughs> Jags. So we got our three best bets: Colts, Jags. Right now, our super contest line: Colts minus four. Fez has a lean. Maddie doesn't like it. So let's start with Dave Esler. I mean, it'd be too easy for me to take the Jaguars here. It's very difficult to take the Colts, but I really think the Jaguars have have imploded beyond repair. Marone fired Hackett, the offensive coordinator, and there's a lot of talk in Jacksonville about that being a, a preemptive strike for Marone to save his own job. Obviously, for Nets out, I think the Colts are on a revenge mission. They had to play the Jags last year twice without luck. They lost by a combined 57 to 10. Marlon Max out, not overly concerned about it. Now, the whole Kessler thing is a wild card for me. And the wild card there is how does Jacksonville's new offensive coordinator decide to play this game? And that's a huge variable for me. But regardless, I cannot take Jacksonville. Uh, what I would have liked to have done was preseason taking the Colts plus seven and a half. There's about a 12 point swing there. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. The more I look at this, the more I like the Colts. It feels square, and obviously road favorites typically are. Colts off a close call. You know, they almost lost that game. So they're going to be focused. Esler made a great point. 
Colts had beat up on the Jags for a long time. Jags had a chance to little brother, older brother got the flu, dunking on him. Well, I mean, they're going to be motivated. And we keep talking about how Belichick uses September as the extended preseason, implying that with the new agreement or the current agreement with the union, they can't get ready even with all the the practices and training camp, all the two days, all four preseason games. Well, you have a new quarterback and a new OC, literally with seven days in between. How ready could the Jags be? I don't know. You know, the, I, you know, the two biggest factors in this game for me was the fact that the Indianapolis Colts starting center, Ryan Kelly's hurt. Ian Marlon Max hurt, and and I don't know that Marlon Max out listed is out yet. He's still in concussion protocol. If he clears by Friday, he could play. So he's not officially out. He's listed as questionable. Um, and Marlon Mack makes a big difference in this offense and what they're able to do. And, and Ryan Kelly is praised as an above average center, one of the above average centers starting in the National Football League. And if they're both out. I don't know that I want the Colts in this spot, but I just can't get myself to pull the trigger on the Jags and Cody Kessler. Maddie's bringing up some great points because the narrative has been, hey, the Colts, you know, they got back their left tackle. Now there's no sacks against Luck, and that's why they're kicking butt. Well, another reason they're kicking butt is because they got everybody healthy. So their their center from early in the year got hurt, but Ryan Kelly's a good center, and he's stepped right in, and he's been very good. Now that he's out, I don't even know. Who First of all, he's not out. He's unlikely right. to play, but go ahead. Right, so if he doesn't play, I don't even know who they're going to move over to play. Wait, so who started, it's who started last game. Yes, yes. So, so there's no mystery, right? Right. So I got to go back and 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 read up I mean, on how effective it was. He his was. first career start, yeah. So not a great center. They had one sack. All right. So I'm not saying that's the only metric, but they've got another injury now. Their tight end Doyle, who's a good pass catcher, but you know Ebron replaces He's him. out for sure. Yeah. yeah, Doyle is out for the year, and Ebron is a capable replacement. But but everything. I read, when did Doyle go out for the year? Kidney injury last week. Last yeah. week, yeah. So and is that worth what four points? Well, what's it, it, worth? It, it, it's worth half a point. And he's so a, Doyle is he's worth a very, half he's a, a point. Well, RJ, he's a very good blocker, also. So he's now all of a sudden, blocker than Abron. So now I got to deal with like losing my center and losing a guy that's a really good blocker. So there's reasons to have some concerns about. Like Indy appears to me to have peaked, and they're going to come back a little bit. All right, so I'm going to keep this simple. I like the Colts minus four. All right, finally baited Fez into a bet. Vic? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right, I get it. And I do think Jacksonville is going to respond positively to getting Blake Bortles benched, even though I'm worried. Really? Yes. Wow, because they think that this backup's the answer? He's not the answer, but they don't and want you do him. realize there's like a $60 million hit. With Bortles next year on the cap, regardless of what they I am, do. I am aware. So really, what what benching Bortles, giving up on Bortles, is pretty much saying we're done as a franchise for the foreseeable future. I just think the team will be will but, approach it. I mean, I know you can keep repeating yeah. your point, but it runs contrary to the logic of imagine a situation where your professional career. Well, why did they bench him then? Because I I think there was no alternative. I think they're they are putting up their hands saying. You know, we got to make some kind of statement that the the status quo is not okay. But I don't think any player is happy because Mike Lombardi was talking about this. There's a finite amount of money. When they pay in Bortles dead money, in theory, if they cut him or whatever they do, 16 mil, that means the Jacks can't pay other people. 
So somehow if, if Bortles had had a good year, hey, we're paying him a lot, but it was it's fine. He's doing fine. Now it's like you don't have a quarterback. They might have to pay like $14 million for some, let's say, 20th best quarterback next year. Who else is going to get paid? Their best running back suspended for fighting. It's, that's what I'm saying. This feels like about as bad a situation as I've ever seen in the NFL. And their cornerback, who's really good, Ramsey, is out for this game as well. But yeah. just to, it's all counted, factored in the line. Two weeks ago, these two teams played. The game was in Indianapolis. And Jacksonville was plus three. Now, Jacksonville is home. And they're catching four. Correct. Well, agree, but I think Jacksonville, that was an all-win game for Jacksonville. It was like if they win this game, they still have a season. The season's over, right? Yes. The, the, the act of firing the OC was like this season's over, everybody. Is that next game the game they play hard? Well, it's all built into the line. And Indy is worse, no question, with the injuries now than they were a few weeks ago. No, I, I think that's fair to say. By the way, Andrew Luck, best QBR season ever. So that's the ESPN quarterback ranking was Tom Brady had an 87 during the 2007 undefeated season. Andrew Luck, that's the best ever. Andrew Luck has been over 87 each and every of the last five games. So it's only five versus 16. But right now, the way Andrew Luck has played the last five games is better than the best season in the history of the NFL. Now, I'm not sure how far QBR goes back, but there wasn't many seasons better than Tom Brady's undefeated regular season. So even last week in 80, uh, just over 87, but over in 87. So I feel like the Colts are just surging. And I think the Jags, well, let me ask you this, Fez. If we simply had a metric of who, what team is going to underperform their season stats the most cause a situation. I would say Cleveland the first week they against Kansas City after they fired Hugh Jackson just because it was so much discombobulation where they fired the OC Haley, fired Jackson, and moved the DC up to head coach. And we saw Kansas City blow them out, right? What other team has been in a situation as bad as the Jags this week? Still thinking. Does anyone have an answer? That's a good one. They're they're in a bad spot this week for sure. And you're right. There is a significant Maybe adjustment. Maybe the Bills when they were pulling guys out of retirement to start at quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Though that, and again, this is semantics. Now, that's more players on the field versus the psychology of the situation. Sure. But, okay, Dave, any closing thoughts? None whatsoever. I, I'm, I live near Jacksonville, and I couldn't be happier to see Bortles gone or almost gone. Uh, and I, I think the big reason they let him go was not necessarily the wins and losses, but if you look back at his stats over the last several years, his fourth quarter numbers in close games were horrible. I don't have them in front of me, but I don't think they, I don't think they go that low for most people. His QBR was like 40. And as you know, most of these games in the fourth quarter are close and it typically does come down to the quarterback and he never, ever, ever got it done. So I kind of agree with Fez that Maybe they're a little more inspired than they might be with him on the on the on the field, but there's still Jacksonville, there's still Jalen Ramsey, there's still Fournette, so it's Colts or nothing. Fez, a little bookkeeping, and anyone jump in on this? Fournette's value, I think it's close to a point. I think 
Fournette in this Jacksonville offense is as important as any player on this team. And I've said it since the beginning. They don't play the same when Fournette's out. They are a ground and pound team that relies on their defense, that their whole passing game is predicated off play action. And without Fournette, TJ Yeldon is not the same. There is no play action. I think Fournette is one of only four or five running backs in the league you could say is literally worth more than a half a point to the line. Maybe if he was 100%, but he never is. Yeah, that's so true. Half, that's a, true. half a point tops. Okay, quarterback change. Can And again, let's not conjecture too much about, oh, the team's going to be excited. This crappy quarterback is now quarterbacking. What do you doubt? If somehow it were, if it would have been announced that Bortles, hey, he's starting this week, not after he wasn't, so there wasn't that kind of whipsaw, what would you do with the line? What would you do with the adjustment? Bortles one point better. That's it. Wow. And how much, how many points, half points are you factoring in that this phantom psychological boost? One point. So you would say just quality quarterback, it's two points. And you genuinely think putting in this quarterback that couldn't possibly get you to the playoffs in any given situation, any imaginable situation is somehow yay. Oh, no, I only have them one point apart. And okay. so I'm saying there's a one-point psychological boost, so it, it offsets, so I don't care who's So starting. you're actually saying you if, if if Bortles had been announced, you would say no adjustment. Correct. Wow. Maddie. I'm not that far off. I, I think Bortles is probably about a half point to a point better. And uh, I actually like Cody Kessler. I thought he got a raw deal when Cleveland grafted the kid out of Notre Dame and Kessler had to go to the bench and... You know, maybe he's not ever going to be a superstar quarterback, but I think if you if if Cody Kessler had been starting with the Jacksonville Jaguars the last three years, nobody would have thought he was any worse than Blake Bortles. And again, these stats can be deceiving, but and I'm going by memory. I think Lombardi was talking about this. Kessler has taken a snap in 13 NFL games. The teams are one and twelve in those games. Well, the Browns never won any game. Well, yeah, cause of guys like Cody Castle. <laughs> 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 All right, Costanza style. We're moving on to the next game. Panthers, Bucks, Panthers three and a half. Let's take a gander here. Maddie, let, let's, let me ask you a question. Your big win this week was driven by the Panthers. Yeah. How do you, uh, where you had the, the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I feel fine. Most of the bets on this show, when it comes to guys that are really smart, you know what's we're in week 13. We've never had a uh, anybody hit the green button on a best bet. We're all really good in this industry. We all have a fond, a strong understanding of fundamentals. It's where we get into disagreements over why someone's on a game. We I got on the Carolina game last week because of one simple comment made by Fez that irrit- <laughs> and I love Fez, but it irritated me because Fez says NFL teams are used to their routine and the Seahawks are going to suffer suffer because of their schedule. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They get three extra days of rest. Well, listen. Let so me- on principle, I had to fire, and then you guys fired at me. Yeah, because and- when I see someone making a move, that well, feels I mean, like hey, spite. Hit the button on me. <laughs> Listen, let's take the curtain back, pull it back. So on Friday night, and again, our Super Contest Gold, 12 weeks, we've had one losing week. I mean, five games with these crazy Westgate lines that they're always trying to take a half point from you. Every chance they get on the sharp side. So the way we do it is Friday night, I text Maddie, give me your five best picks. 
in order. Fast, same thing. We got the best bats. I mix it in the pot, and hey, we've had a good year, and I've felt good with my contribution. A lot of people would say, RJ, I'm not saying anyone in particular, why aren't you mad, more mad at Maddie with his four and eight, you know? And I'm like, listen, I hear you, you know, is what I typically say. But this was his response. First best game, Buffalo. That was his best bet winner. Second best game, Carolina. So come Saturday morning, your second favorite bet was Carolina. True or false? True. For sure. And you just collected $900 on your Seattle bet. six of the nine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fez, you like this one. I do. It's all about Tampa Bay being undervalued. So who do you I like Tampa? I like Tampa. Tampa is a team that has just turned the ball over all year long. I believe they're currently minus 21 in turnover differential. And we've talked about it, RJ, the two games that really stand out. Tampa's been lousy in close games, one and four. So they're four and seven overall, one and four in close games. Two of those losses to the Bengals, to the Giants. They were minus four in turnover differential, even if they'd had a bad turnover game. So one of our basic premises. Turnovers have a huge element of luck. Throwing interceptions doesn't. It's about 50-50 luck and skill. Otherwise, a lot of luck. Exactly. So you know what? Let's say they, they didn't execute as well as they should, and they were minus two in the, both of those games instead of minus four. Then they win both of those games, and Tampa would be six and five. So because they're sitting at four and seven, almost everyone has them rated as a well below average team. I have them as almost close to an average team. And because of that, even though I think Carolina's three-game losing streak does come with an asterisk and that there's reasons to kind of like Carolina going forward, in this game, catching three and a half, I think you got to bet the Bucks. I tell you, I think Fez's... Let's think about different power rankings. One is going to be Fez's, which tries to, from a Vegas perspective, collect all known information. Not perfectly, but quite. I think Fez's... If I could have any single power ratings, it'd be Fez's. Now, that said, I disagree in certain spots. The reason I love Football Outsiders is it's a per-play thing. They're not looking at stats. They're looking at the per-play stuff. And I don't think any human can do that as well as an elite algorithm can. Now, there's also team uh, rankings. You like their power rankings, right? I like a lot of work they do, yeah. Yeah, and that's looking more like a Sarah, for what I can gather, like a Sagarin-type They're not looking per play. They're looking at performance overall, you know, margin of victory and all that stuff. So in a way, it's per play. It's a pure computer ranking versus Fez. Fez, when I look at this, this is the biggest disagreement of the week with your power rankings. You have Tampa Bay 18th. By the way, I tweeted out all yours, 1 to 32 at RJ in Vegas. It's getting every Wednesday I've been doing it. It's getting a ton because I ask what, team do you most disagree with and people go wild you know with their opinions you got tampa 18th football outsiders weighted 26th team rankings 23rd now i can promise you both of these systems account for turnovers meaning it's they're not looking at close you know all oh, look at their record they're horrible they're looking per place especially football outsiders so it feels like again it's directional your gut feeling is Everyone's underrating Tampa because they've lost those close games. But the stats are saying no, no, no. So, I mean, does that cause you pause? I mean, it's 
your aunt, if I say, why do you think Tampa's underrated by the media, by like the ESPN power rankings or whatever, I think turnover margin being more luck than people realize would be one of your answers and close losses would be the other. But you don't think Football Outsiders algorithm is falling for that. So does, doesn't it worry you that you're just playing off, that you're directionally right, Tampa's better than ESPN thinks, but not as good as you think. It's probably the case. The right number is probably somewhere in between. And maybe, you know, where I'm overvaluing Tampa a little bit is it's true. They've had a lot of games where they've been down 17, 20 points in the second half, and they rally to make it a game. And probably the advanced algorithms are looking at Tampa Bay moving the ball against a prevent defense, and their defense gets to play against the team milking a lead. So their, their ability to get back in those games it's not as impressive. I know, RJ, we talk about this. Hey, fourth quarter results versus first quarter results. Shouldn't they all count the same? Well, probably not when you're trailing by 17 points in the fourth quarter. No, I garbage time is, I think everyone agrees with that. Maddie, what's your take on this? You know, what's interesting from a pure, pure X's and O's standpoint is here is as, as many times as Tampa Bay has been down big and had to rally, to your point, they would facing teams trying to run the clock out. Thus, you would think that opponents would be running up, racking up rushing yards and that Tampa Tampa, whose defense is unanimously either 30th, 31st, or 32nd in the league, according to most rankings, rush yards per game allowed, only 18th in the league. Rush yards per game, only 14th. Their run defense has actually been pretty good, about average this year. It's their pass defense that's been atrocious, and we've talked about it all year. Who's one of the worst teams in the NFL at throwing passes downfield more than 15 yards? The Carolina Panthers. So I actually like this spot, and I have a psychological... you you like... Tampa Bay, because I actually think they can stop the run, which is Carolina's bread and butter to set up their passing game. And on the other side of it, I actually think there is a psychological disadvantage for the for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year that they had to endure because famous Jameis got suspended. So, you know, uh, Fitzmagic comes in those first three games, throws for over 400 yards, the first quarterback to do it. All of a sudden, Dirk Cutter stuck in a spot. Fitzmagic has a bad start against the Bears. Now, all of a sudden, Famous Jameis is back in. He throws four picks in a game. Fitzmagic is back in. Jameis Winston is the starting quarterback the rest of the year. There's no question about that. Dirk Cutter is going to be gone. And Jameis Winston will be here next year. This is his team now. And he has to go out and prove to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the rest of this year. Not that he's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he is the starting quarterback of the future there. And I think he's going to play well. What makes you think Winston's going to be here next year, be in Tampa? I think they invested a lot. He's the number one overall pick in the draft. I think they've built their team around him and his ability. But a month ago, I think you could have gotten even money that he wasn't going to be there. I agree with you. I think he's like minus 500 to be the starting quarterback day one next year right now. And I would those give you sound like price. betting words. Uh, those, uh, anytime I one? say it, it's betting words. Five to one? Yes. You want to do 100 or 200? Whatever you want. <laughs> Uh, it's a future. Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston is the starting quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next season. Game one. Game one. Let's go. We'll Barring go. suspension. Oh, there's no caveat in there. <laughs> <laughs> the Biden's already been pushed, oh, whatever, baby. Yeah. Five, so, so 100 again. to win 500. Yeah, you're right. right. Done. Barring suspension. No, 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 no barring suspensions. Um, I don't know. Did you say that? I know you said it, but did you say something else? There? I was going to say, you know, barring an ACL that happens to. And that, up. and I think he's Dave's bringing up a, a very interesting point. 
the reason I agree with you that there's a better chance for next year, though I don't think it's that extreme, is they have a there's a deal with these fifth year options. And I'm no contract expert where if, if Tampa gets hurt or if Jameis gets hurt, his contract's guaranteed for next year if he gets hurt in year four. Because they don't want a player to get hurt in year four and then get screwed on the option. So really Tampa's taking a 20 some million dollar risk every snap they let him take, which tells me they're really seriously considering resigning him. I just don't think it's a sure thing. Uh, but again, that's why we bet. Yeah. Because we disagree. Dave, what's your take on the game? Uh, I'm going to agree with all you guys. I, I look, I, it's a bet against the Panthers as much as it is anything. They're, they're a terrible road team. And I look at their, their sort of the mindset, you know, I'm, I'm all about sort of how they feel, if you will, sort of off the analytic type thing. You know, after they played Tampa Bay, they were six and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got this. They went to Pittsburgh on a Thursday night. We know what happened. For those that don't remember, they lost by 31. Then they lost at Detroit. Then they lost that heartbreaker to Seattle last week. They're five and 10 in NFC South games over the last three years. And this surprised me a little bit. Carolina's pass defense is not very good. They're 21st to 24th or so, depending on where you look in the league. And we know what Tampa Bay likes to do, and I think they will. The only concern I have, McCafferty seems to be finally sort of hitting some sort of stride. But barring him hitting a huge stride again like he did last week, I think this is a last possession game. I do like the Bucks at home. Only bummer for the Bucks, their premier tight end, O.J. Howard, out. Three, four points, Fest. <laughs> he's worth you know what he might not even be worth half a point what? With, the, with the receivers they got you know it's it's not like they're dependent on him Dave brings up a great point if you look again at DVOA Tampa Bay and and this is a point actually that Maddie made and then Dave's point comes up Tampa Bay against the pass number 32 defensively 27th against the run but still better against the run this isn't a good defense obviously but now if you look at Carolina, their pass defense is number 25 DVOA. Their rush defense is 12. So Tampa, you, you got Tampa thrown against the number 25 yeah. pass defense with Carolina. And also, Fez, I told you, I think you got Tampa overrated. I think you've got Carolina overrated. Right now, you've got Carolina 10th. DVOA says 15th. Team ranking says 15th. I think that on a statistical basis, you're thinking, oh, they lost three games in a row, but they were tight games. They could have went either way. Directionally right. That's interesting. So let's look who you got 11 or 12. Cause that, you know, that's the question. Would they clearly be better? So, uh, oh, you've got multiple teams. So you think that Carolina is clearly better. Wow. I think I would take all three of the next teams over Carolina on a neutral. Colts pick them over Carolina. I take Colts. Ravens pick them over Carolina. I take Ravens. With Lamar Jackson? Mm-hmm. Yes. Seahawks <laughs> pick them. I take oh, Seahawks for sure. I take Seahawks. See, I, I'm, I'm pressing the button there because these two teams just. So you can't press button on, on something you can't bet. They, I understand. These two, well, these two teams just played, RJ, and, and I know Seattle on the scoreboard won the game, but if you watch that game, Carolina controlled that game. So you're saying Maddie's pick was right. Carol- but somehow he got paid nine hundred dollars. He, he won every which way, giving out both sides. <laughs> That's but the it, way the big is. If I could go into a time machine and play that game again, you said you can lay Carolina 
minus three, yeah, minus a dollar twenty-five. I'll do it every day. So they're better, a little bit better. I don't know. I mean, if you look at that, again, I feel like I was bought into Carolina before because I kept hearing that narrative of oh, you know, Nerv, Norv Turner has, has finally has cams listening. Finally, it's like, yeah, really? I don't know. All right, I'm passing. Next game. Falcons, Ravens. Falcons at home, favored by one. So still favored. Maddie Holt, you actually like the Falcons. I do. I like it, Lane. Oh, hold on. Oh, we've been waiting. In this corner, despised by all good betters, the big Maddie Holt. In the other corner, first time in Vegas. Well, since last time. <laughs> Out of Florida, Dave Esler. Automatic $300 bet. Let's let our guest start. Dave Esler. Well, Matt already said he likes the Falcons. And after that little intro, you probably know that I do not. <laughs> you know, I, I question Atlanta's motivation, for one thing. They're, they're four and seven. They're two years removed from a Super Bowl. Three of the next four games are on the road. They can't run the ball. Last week against the Saints, their leading rusher was Matt Ryan with 16 yards. Now they play the Ravens defense, number one in almost everything. Ravens still in the playoff picture. And, you know, Lamar Jackson this, Lamar Jackson that. But he's had a couple games of experience. And, and I think the big thing, you know, how does Atlanta prepare for that? I don't know that you can. Atlanta's not a very tough place to play at all. I think playing. Well, hold on. Atlanta typically, I mean, based on how good or bad the team is, all home fields vary. But I would say Atlanta's what, seventh, eighth best home field in general, Fez? Yeah, and I downgraded to just an average home field this year with them being well below 500 now. Well, I don't, I don't disagree with that. It's average. It's not the Saints dome by any means. No, but the Saints aren't the Saints when they're not winning either. But okay. So. The Atlanta rush defense is, what, 25th, Matt? I'm not sure. I just don't know how Atlanta scores here. I really don't. So, yes, I I like the Ravens. The Ravens are, in spite of basically very little offense, they're still plus 73 in point differential. I like the Ravens. You know, I don't like Lamar Jackson a lot. But I think in this particular so would you up would you like the Ravens even more if Flacco were starting? Probably not, because as you know from history, I'm not a Flacco fan. I, I think Jackson brings a different dynamic. I think with Atlanta's horrible rushing defense, they're not going to ask Jackson to do a whole lot. All right. And so since I knew that Matt liked Atlanta, I liked Baltimore. No, no, no. You submitted your picks first. Uh, <laughs> Dave Esler, Baltimore, now the Vig. You talk about Fugazi wins. The Baltimore <laughs> Ravens got one last week. Punt return for a touchdown. Fumble return for a touchdown on a fourth down play. Now, what, they, was, what was your best bet last week? Oakland Raiders. And the <laughs> Oakland Raiders were the right side. And everybody who watched the game knows the Oakland Raiders were the right side. Look, the only thing Lamar Jackson has done consistently since he's been the starter of the Baltimore Ravens is throw interceptions. One touchdown, three interceptions, and two starts in his inaccuracy continues to get worse and worse and One worse. Mackie, take a look. I think it's two touchdowns and three. Let me know on that. Go ahead. One touchdown, three you're sure, interceptions. You're, you're looking right now? Okay. In two no games. 
and 37 rush attempts from the quarterback position in 2018 NFL. That's unsustainable. We talked about the unsustainability the week before when he rushed for 27 attempts. But how does that matter in one game? Because they already backed it off. He went for 27 two weeks ago. They said, we can't do that. We're going to get this killed. That 27 turned into 11 last week. And though the score looks like they did fine, they really didn't. That's right. Their offense against one of, if not the worst defense in the entire NFL, the Oakland Raiders at their place, did nothing. They absolutely did nothing all game. And why do I like the Atlanta Falcons offense? Because I'm down with YPP (laughs) 6.3 yards per play, number seven in the NFL. I'll take the Falcons at home. Now, just emerging, Fezzik also likes the Falcons. I do like the Falcons. I think this is an easy handicap, frankly. The Falcons, they really have a fine offense. They can throw the ball all over the place, and I, I get it that that Baltimore defense might even be slightly better than the Atlanta offense. And, and so it's easy. Atlanta's going to get 23 points. Boom. The only question is, how many points is Baltimore going to get? Well, Maddie nailed it. If if we, we see their rookie quarterback run the ball 18 times in this game, they're probably going to get 23 points, if not more. But that is not sustainable. Lamar Jackson's going to probably run less than the 11 times he ran last game. And if you told me, would I be willing to bet he's going to run less than 11 times? I would say yes. And if you told me if he runs less than 11 times, will the Ravens be able to generate enough offense to get 24 points? I'm going to say no. Atlanta has had 10 days off, so they've had the rest. They actually played perfectly capable against New Orleans. They fumbled the ball three times while driving for scores, and they still only lost by 14 points. This is Atlanta's game to win. Atlanta wins it. Probably be a close game, three to seven points. So, Fez, in your power rankings, you have Baltimore four points better. Home field is three. It's only two points different. Got it. I, yes, but I got a rookie quarterback. But the going, rookie quarterback's built into your number, isn't it? Yeah, he's it? going on the road for the very isn't first that? time, RJ. The spot is terrible for him. And also, I think that the 10 days for Atlanta, the situation spot's really good for Atlanta as well. You're freaking high. 10 days versus seriously questionable motivation? I mean, how would make the case for Atlanta being motivated here? They're home. They had questionable motivation. Where was the motivation? I haven't heard an answer yet. Their season's done. They're not going to be ultra motivated. They're home so, instead of on the road. Teams, t- NFL teams, typically playing at home, don't mail in games. Correct. So, so that's I what agree we with do, that. So that's what we do now is literally because I've heard you have convoluted motivational theories on a lot of home teams. They're more likely ah. to be motivated at home but, than but on think the about, road. But think about this now a second. They haven't given any signs of giving okay. up all year. We have to give them that. This when they lost is, to the Browns, they weren't giving up. They played a horrible game. And who'd they play the next week? The Saints? The New Orleans Saints. So think about that. You had the Browns. You had the gut punch of that game. And I agree with you. That wasn't a motivational issue. Then they play their division rival on Thanksgiving in front of the world. They're going to play hard that game. This is the flat spot. This is. If anything is. Now we can act like they're never going to have a flat spot. Listen. Fez, let's think about this a second. I'm ready to jump on with Ashler. <laughs> Let's think about this a second. Come on. Oh, <laughs> the water's born. Yeah. You're, you, you worship, you f- almost like a fetish, your power rankings. Is that, is that fair to say? I do, and I'm going against it. Who has the best power rankings, in your opinion, in the world? Well, 
you do after you take my power ratings and you make three adjustments no. to them. You think they're the best, right? Yours. Well, no, because... It, you it, fetishize your power ratings. I love my power ratings. I'm very it's confident It's the business of sadists and masochists, and you know which one you are. All right. So <laughs> here's the question. You need to be in your situational, which doesn't even account for Atlanta's questionable motivation. You've got to gain four points. Because you're already minus two just with your power rankings, right? That's not debatable. That's just math. Yes. So you need two points to lay it, right? Yes. So you're saying you think the situational spot favors Atlanta by four points. Well, I do have to have five <laughs> likes in the oh. do. So I have, you know, I'll, I'll say it. I, I bet Atlanta at the opener plus three and plus two and a half right off the bat. And maybe I am just So not, wait a minute. So maybe that, I would like a piece of the plus three. That sounds like a good bet. Now you're getting one. Now I'm laying Oh, you're one. laying one. Now I'm laying one. If I was getting one, I could make a oh much better gosh. case. So maybe I should back off to say that I just, yeah, it's fine. So Dave, listen, Don't I know. back off. Stick by your guns. <laughs> I have won so many bets on this show going against the. Well, let, me, let me ask you, before you push the button, let me ask you a question. Mark. Oh, he's trying to talk about <laughs> it. No. Lamar Jackson, I said a prop. Which is it going to throw more of? Touchdown passes or interceptions? It doesn't he matter. Th- He's not going to have to. Will well, let's let well, me finish. Let me, score, then, let, me fi- let me finish. So 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 would you bet that he's going to throw more touchdown passes than interceptions? And let me second part of the question. If you aren't willing to make that bet, I think you're being very, very optimistic about how well the rest of the team's going to play if they can if you can't even win that prop. How can you ignore how Lamar Jackson played in his first two starts at home against two of the worst defenses in football and suddenly feel like, "Oh, he's just going to go on the road and but, their but, defense." But let's agree, do you agree the following concept? Teams know more about their players than we do. Sure. And Baltimore is the favorite right now to make the playoffs, right? To be this if you could pick any team other than the Chargers, Steelers, Houston, you know, et cetera, Kansas City, New England, to make the playoffs. Let's say we did a, a snake draft and you got first pick. Who would you take? Uh, Probably Colts. All right. And second pick? Maybe Titans. Mm. You got to avoid Baltimore. The third pick? As as he can. Uh, <laughs> I guess they're better than Miami, so Baltimore. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So obviously disingenuous. But... <laughs> What, so why would Harbaugh, with his job on the line, right? We can all agree if they lose the next four games. Five, but let's all agree, too, that well, whoever wins that spot's me. terrible. Enough, enough with the interruptions. All right. So my question is, why would Harbaugh start Jackson if he didn't think Jackson was the best chance to win? Because Flacco's hurt and they spent a first How hurt is draft he? pick How hurt him. is he right now? Well, he hurts their wallet, too. They probably he, just want him, a reason for him to go away. He hasn't even practiced, and Harbaugh came out and said... He will not play if he is not able to have a full week of practice. Which sounds like he's trying to set up like getting Jackson games without committing to Jackson. Yes. But what, why not? But remember what happened with Mullins on Thursday night. They waited till game time to start the guy they didn't want to start. You know, right? I'm glad you brought up Mullins because he's a rookie quarterback who was great. His first two games at home didn't do nearly as well when he had to play his first road game. Same situation for Jackson here. So you're agreeing you wouldn't lay 110 at minus one. No. All right. All right, Dave, listen, I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I know these are, and again, you're a batter. I mean, you bat a lot more than these bats. 
but I'm going to sit back and not press the button. And if you want me to take a position in any of your, you know, you got 600 on this now. I'll take a position with you later if you want me to. You do whatever you feel comfortable doing. I'm, oh, I, I'm going to stick with my new favorite. Is that YP? What YPP? Is that what it is? Down with YPP. Down with the YPP. I'm going to stick with my YPP numero uno defense, the Baltimore Ravens. All right. That was fun. Next game. Texans, Browns, holy camoly, we've got another crossfire. And like they said in the great Raging Bull, as they entered their 13th round, this is a hard luck round, but you know the boys. In one corner, Dave Esler. In the other corner, the Vig. Matty Holt. It's Browns, it's Texans, our line, Texans five and a half. That's a nice number. Dave Esler. You know, I could have made the case for Cleveland, and I think that would be taking the easy way out. <laughs> you know, you know, Baker Mayfield this, Baker Mayfield that, Houston on short rest this, Houston on short rest that. You know, but here's the thing. You know, what did Cleveland do? Beat the aforementioned Falcons. And there are aforementioned no defense at home. Beat Cincinnati, who probably parallels the Jaguars in terms of of dis whatever you want to call it. And now they got to go play Houston. And what is that YPP? Is that that thing you guys talk about? I think Houston is number three in yards per play. So wait, you don't hold on a second. You don't know what it is, but somehow you're quoting it. I, I think, know what it I is. I think you're playing like the Southern. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're exactly look, even. Yeah. So, so, you know, I think this is a case where maybe the Browns are a little overvalued at this point in time. You know, Watson hasn't had a huge game, but he hasn't had to, you know, it's kind of like my Ravens pick. Houston's going to do it with defense. And you can tell me all about Baker Mayfield and Hugh Jackson being gone. Uh, but in Houston, after winning, what, eight in a row now, I, I don't think it's going to matter. Matty Hope. There's no team we have talked about being more overrated the past eight weeks than the Houston Texans, the amount of coin flips that they have ended up going heads that have gone their way. We talk about it week after week after week. We had the Tennessee Titans again because Houston's overrated and we know that they're overrated compared to their stats. Interception thrown percentage, number 30 in the National Football League. Quarterback sacked percentage, number 30 in the in the National Football League. Uh, Watson holds the football too long. The Cleveland Browns actually have a good one-two punch on that defensive line. I think this is a flat spot. That was a big Monday night spot for Houston to say we own the AFC South. And they came out and stomped Tennessee after that fourth down stop and that 97-yard touchdown run. But that's a little fluky because if Tennessee gets that fourth down conversion, and that gets that touchdown and goes up 17-7, that's a completely different football game, completely turned around by a two-play sequence, or we're talking about a completely different narrative again, and that's the story with every single Houston Texans game. This entire year, they're all coin flips. They're all one play, two plays. The one thing I like about Baker Mayfield right now is that team is behind him. We talk about teams with that kind of record being out of it, having motivational issues. There are no motivational issues with the Cincinnati Bengals in that locker room. That team is behind their leader, Baker Mayfield, and they're going to come out with a big effort. You said Bengals, but Browns. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned, okay. 
Fez, you got a prop on this. I want your game analysis first, and then I've got some game analysis, and then we can prop it. Well, I think it's a difficult game emotionally because you could make the case, you know, Houston, yeah, they wanted to seize control of the division, and their owner died. And so that, I believe, has been a profitable... Yeah, see, but to me, there was... Remember that owner made the comment that was uh, problematic is probably the term of the day. So I'm not sure if there wasn't a lot of ambivalence there, but go ahead. Fair enough. But you can make a case for this was a really big effort level last game for Houston. But I'd make the case that it was a really big effort level for the Browns that like clearly there's a lot of talk about how they were all in to stick it to their former coach, Hugh Jackson, who had turned traitor and gone back to the Cincinnati Bengals. And so because of that, you've got a situation emotionally. You know, how many times can you turn it all the way up? I will say this when I look so at I, I under that traitor thing. You, he gets fired and he gets a job. I know. People, I don't understand. People begrudge it. Well, clearly, they, if he would have quit, I get it. I don't think his former teammates in Cleveland liked playing for Hugh Jackson. Clearly, check these stats out. So Mayfield played six games with Jackson. His passer rating was about seventy nine. Three games since Jackson left, a hundred and twenty nine, which would be the best in the NFL this season. If that was a season long stats, better than Drew Brees. And one of those. So games. think about that a second. Drew Brees. <laughs> I know you'd like to quickly get to some minutia, Fez. Let's stick with this point for a moment. Drew Brees is having the best season in the history of the NFL. Some people are saying Baker Mayfield last three games is better than that. Now, Ashler makes a great point. Atlanta, Cincinnati, Kansas City, three of the worst defenses. But boy, is it just that? Or was it like, how could he, let me open this question to everyone. How could Hugh Jackson hold Baker Mayfield down? Seemingly like they're saying, oh, now that he he's away from Hugh, he's so good. I don't think it was Hugh. I think it was Todd Haley. I think it was the offensive play calling, which and to Baker's point, even he said, we all believe in the guy calling the plays now. Wasn't Hugh calling the plays. It was Todd Haley. Yeah, and they talked about Kitchens being very innovative, the new Cleveland OC, including running three plays, I believe, out of the wishbone. So uh, trying some new things, the players like it. Browns are uh, last 26 games on the road. They're one and 25. Does that worry you, Maddie? What I like in this game is that the, the I know I'm going against an overrated team on short rest off an emotional high spot in what should be a flat spot for them against a team who right now at this time of year, what I want to see from, from players on the field, if I'm going to bet a team with a bad losing record, is players having fun and going out there to prove a point. Baker Mayfield looks like he has a chip on his shoulder. That defensive line, which has two stud pass rushers, looks like it has a chip on its shoulder. And this is a team looks like it has something to prove still this year. I'm not sure that Houston is overrated. I've been the king of saying that this is an overrated team for months, but a big part of that I really think was Watson's health. He came back from his ACL injury. He did run the ball early in the year, but was not as effective as he was the year before. And then after the injury to the chest, here we're talking about a guy who had to take a a day-long bus ride instead of a plane because he couldn't handle the pressurization in the cabin. So he had five games. He was averaging 18 and a half yards That was per a game. Jacksonville game like six weeks ago. Right, right. So he was hurt, though, for a five-week stretch where he literally wasn't running. RJ, he was getting 18 yards a game. And now I see nine carries, 70 yards, big upgrade for the Houston offense for him to suddenly have that mobility in the eye test. Boy, did he look fast and willing to run against the Titans. DVOA, Houston 14th. Fez, you have him ninth in your power ranking. So you certainly, at least relative to 
DVOA don't. All that means is he flips sides, and that sounds about right from the guy who preaches peace and love. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, if Fez can make, listen, if Fez, let's just say this Fez will eat the room temperature bologna sandwiches. Peace and love. Peace and love. Right, Fez? Well, I'm hoping to eat $300 worth because based upon Maddie's comments, maybe you'll want to fade my best bet on this game. Okay, let's hear it. Art. Oh, you got the problem. Let's let's hold on a second. Last thing for me on this game. Actually, two last things. I have a question for Manny because, again, his behind-the-counter experience is unmatched here in town last five years. Why do I say that? Because at CG, they took more money over those five years than anybody. Houston's offense overall, 25th, DVOA. Passing 16th, running 30th. So Houston can't run worth a lick. But they've gotten better. The 30th. Browns are 26th against the run, second against the pass. This does feel like a Browns defensive matchup. Mm-hmm. Well, whereas the, that disparity, 26th against the pass for the Browns D, second against the run, you don't get much more than a 24 slot difference run pass. So I think with the Browns, it's pretty much you ask yourself, can this team run the ball, their opponent? If so, I don't want any piece of the Browns. I just don't think Houston can run the ball. Well, based upon what they did to the Titans, where they, I think, what what they have, like 280 yards, RJ, on the, on Monday night, I think that that problem is well on its way to being solved. Yeah, that sounds so freaking square, what you just said. Like one game. So they had a 97-yard run? And, right? and Watson hasn't been able to run the ball. Now, well, How much is he going to run the ball? Where's that going to take him from the 30th best running? To, so the quarterback running is what they need to run. Having the option is going to set up Lamar Miller yeah, to be might, much it, more effective. It might improve it a little bit. The team I, doesn't run the ball well. Are we really debating that? Well, let's all agree that the most underrated, you know, to RJ's point, the most underrated freaking part of this game that we're all underestimating is the Cleveland Browns defensive line with Miles Garrett and... Uh, uh, oh, I don't know how to say his name right. Oga Jombi, uh, <laughs> where they have 15 sacks combined. I mean, everyone's going to talk about the defenses in this game going, oh, my God, Clowney and J.J. Watt. That's who gets all the sacks. That Cleveland Browns pass rush is pretty good this year. And Miles Garrett's lived up to that billing as Wait, being a number what's one What's that other pick. dude's name? I'm Dr. not doing Lachman it. On, <laughs> yeah. on. The first name goes as follows. You made a better effort than I would have. S-H-M-A-N-N. A N and the last name is S A T S and Thomas H Y A V A G I S W A R A N. Is that the name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's my last question, and we'll get a Fez's prop and any last comments from Dave, who has a three hundred dollar auto bet against his nemesis. Sally Ari. Um, <laughs> I was flabbergasted at the Sunday action on the Browns and Bengals. Fez, we, talk, we were talking about it in real time. Browns closed the favorite. Line was, what was the line at the three. high point? Three or yeah, three? Bengals are laying three. That isn't the public. That isn't guys like Fez betting 10 dimes a game. That's the syndicates. When this, in your experience, 
broadly, and let's say when you were at CG, nothing past that. When that action is coming in in that way, because that means that's the whole theory. Fez, you always say, well, I get betting the Browns at three, but if you if it was there at three and you didn't bet it, why are you betting it at two and a half? You always say, who's betting it at two and a half? What idiot would possibly play Cleveland and pick him when you could add plus a dollar forty earlier in the week? That's my point. But if the syndicate believes that the Browns should be three, they're still laying it at Pickham. So in general, what drives a move like that? Because to me, it froze me because I'm thinking there's no rhyme or reason to it's not a value. It's not thinking this line's a half point off because it's getting steamed four points. What drives that most of the time? So it has to be syndicates. And most people say, well, what's a syndicate? So let's break it down very early in the week, Monday. Sharp guys bet the crap out of Monday. It's it's not it's not but usually individuals like Faz that are betting five, ten dimes, right? And nobody's getting ten dimes on Monday. It's guys coming out betting two dimes into the opening numbers for the next week. And they're really sharp. Even in the NFL, two dimes on Monday. Yeah. Okay. Maybe five, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not getting ten a pop. You might be able to bet five multiple shots. Maybe you get ten, but whatever. You're most of the time it's five and a lot of books it's two on Monday at the openers. And those guys are really sharp and they get great numbers and guys like Fez who can predict line moves end up getting the best of it. But the guys that really want to bet huge, you can't get down till Friday. If you want to so bet is it Thursday or Friday, because I've heard Thursday morning depends what you want to bet. So if you want to bet a hundred grand, sure. Thursday, you want to bet a half a million. It's Friday late. Because they want to have some liquidity now. And even as the weekend gets going, the more you want to bet, the later you need to wait. And game day is by far the biggest. Yes. uh, Liquidity where they'll take the big bets. And what you saw at that Bengals line is it sat at three and it sat at three. That was a late, late, late move. And for it to move that much late with no information is syndicate money. And then when you get into those... And when you say information, like an injury or... Yeah, without a major injury. Some external information. That's right. Without some type of external, impactful external information for a line to move four points in 24-hour period, it takes real dollars. All right, so let's agree it's real syndicate dollars. What drives that move? Meaning, is it... Here's the thing I believe. I'm not afraid to bet against a sharp move if I'm getting the better number meaning, hey, we're disagreeing, but especially if there's any followers, right? If the line's, let's forget key numbers. Let's say it's basketball. If the line's two and it gets steamed at two and maybe even getting steamed at two and a half and the followers bring it to four, I'm figuring if I'm getting four and I have an opinion, I'm fine. What I don't want to do is bet against information, unknown information. And I'll say it, you don't have to. Billy Walters allegedly, supposedly, I believe in many situations, and again, Malinsky worked for him for like 20 years. We worked with Malinsky for multiple years. We heard a lot of stories, and I'm not quoting Dave here, rest in peace, but Walters had allegedly set up a situation where there was a lot of people knew if they saw something, a trainer here, and again, this is usually college, I tell one person my contact, and if it pans out, maybe they get 20 dimes, right? And all of a sudden, they do that once a year. Now, you're on the integrity side now. That's one. And again, only talk about what you can, Maddie. But that's one of the things you're looking for, right? Is line movements. Insider information. Before the market knows it. Insider information is one of the biggest things we track. Now, 
even four, three, four years ago, I can remember five times a year. And again, Billy was in business full, fully at that point. Five, at least five times a year, there'd be a quarterback injury announced at four o'clock, let's say in the afternoon. But the line moved two hours before by like four, three points. Mm-hmm. Is that, does that happen as much now? No, but it still happens a lot in college. Okay. Especially this time of year where you have a lot of the major reporters who should be covering, who cover both football and basketball, covering the football teams who might be playing in a conference championship or last week in their big in-state rivalry So like stringers and stuff. That's right. And all of a sudden, hey, no one's covering the basketball team, but the point guard has mono or something. And pursuant to that, and Ken Thompson gets this information. He's got friends in the industry announcers, so... The announcer will say, hey, just by the way, we just we just flew up to Reno and our second leading scorer isn't on the plane and it's not on any injury report. And that's something that is maybe 20 minutes or whatever before the game. And again, Ken takes advantage of that. And sometimes it's hours before. And you look at his record at pregame, his premium picks, especially the late stuff is outstanding. Speaking of that, we've got a special offer with Ken and a special offer with Esler coming up in a minute. But to me, let's use the uh, Tim Donahue situation. Sure. And I feel an affinity to that situation because it was really my chance to get on the national stage. And it's been over 10 years. We did some original reporting on it and got a lot of attention. The theory that I read about that I thought was fascinating is how many serious sharp bettors lost big money betting against Donahue's games. Because let's just say for the sake of argument, the line's supposed to be five. I'll say this to go along with what you said, and I'm not going to get too deep into it, but some of the most nefarious games I've ever tracked on the integrity side that went to investigation, that went to the FBI or the gaming control boards, full-blown investigations have had some of the sharpest betters in the world on the other side, including one of the games, the one of the most fishy games we ever saw that we tracked in college football. BW was on the other side of it because the people trying to manipulate the outcome of the game moved it so far that his, Billy's numbers guys said, hey, this is a great value hit on this game. Exactly. So think about it. If a line's supposed to be five, let's say allegedly with Donahue, okay, he likes the favor. Game gets back to seven and a half. All the value players are gobbling up seven and a half. There's no reason for it to be seven and a half. To me, when I see a game get steamed from three plus three to minus one, I'm thinking there's no rhyme or reason to that. How often, Maddie, do you believe with that kind of monster steam that it's just they think the market's that mispriced or is it information? Well, a lot of it has to be something because it has to be a perfect world for it to kind of move that way that much in a 24 hour period. That means the the markets not here in the United States are also moving because if they were staying at Cincy too, there's no way Vegas is going or the but United the syndicates States. are betting every right. route they can bet. So the fact that that means everywhere had to go there and there's only a certain amount of people that can move that many markets and it's almost always syndicates because you have to be able to hit so many outs and drive the market so hard. You know, it sounds so powerful, but I can tell you that for every game like the Bengals where, wow, somebody knew something, there's a game like San Francisco-Tampa where it gets bet down from three and a half to one and a half, same thing. And I thought that was just as crazy. It's just as crazy. And, and, and my take is that it's m- I'm much more concerned when it's a Mac college football game moving two and a half points sure. where there really could be some craziness going on versus an NFL game. I agree with that. So what we're saying is this. 
I think a fair, safe rule is if you can't explain why a line's running, be scared of the move. I've often bet when I think the public's running a line, which you see on Sunday a lot is four and a half becomes six right at post. And it looks like public money. It's not the screen's not going black. I love taking the six. Yeah, example and self fulfilling because I got lucky and won the game. But um, Notre Dame USC gets bet up, opens eight at, at bookmaker, goes all the way to fourteen. Those aren't pros laying thirteen and thirteen. No, and a half. that's right. And again, you can tell by the way it moves. If the screen's going black multiple times, it's in concert. It's 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 yeah, there's synchronized. lots of different ways a game like that can move. Yeah, if it's a trickle up, trickle up, mm-hmm. it's more public typically. Yes. So, but if it's a college basketball or if it's not a professional game, the odds that a big steam play is information based and that's inside information based, I think goes way up. Yeah, or the problem is the smaller school you get, the less money it takes to move a number because the right people call and bet 10 grand. That's all they take and they go, we don't even have any money on the other Yeah, team. but they're not going to move at three points, right? They might move at one. Well, what happens is most of these big are really sharp betters. So they they call and they play. I want to play Bakersfield versus Idaho State. And they play Bakersfield. And um, they bet the max on it. And they hit it everywhere. And that line moves two, two and a half. And then they give it to all their followers who come in and hammer it. And suddenly that pick em game goes to four, four and a half. And there was no info, info just... There was no action on the other side to delegate, you know, to, and they don't even give it to them. What happens is that people have contacts at some of these offshore well, and that's books. one of the reasons. I mean, the old Billy stories was all you got to move his money. He said, every pick I give you, I need 10 dimes on and you do whatever else you want with it. And that was their deal is you would get the info to in a way be booking at plus 110 because you could have not put, you know, you didn't have to lay it off. You could have just capped it. And why would you want to keep Billy's stuff? Right. So it makes sense. And that's it. Right? So, I mean, you've known a lot of Billy movers. That was the deal, right? Yeah. And Is got- you, ha- you committed and wherever on the hierarchy you were getting the picks, if you were the first one out of the gate, maybe you had to move 50 dimes, the fourth level, Maybe moved five dimes, but it was all about how much you were committed to move. And then a guy takes Is a, that correct? That is correct. And then a guy takes a screenshot of the bet that he made and he sends it out to someone else's buddy and say, Hey, FYI, I just I just got down minus eleven. Which was on this part game. of the deal. Now what Billy was a genius, and I mean truly a genius at he wouldn't you never knew if you were getting Billy's dummy moves or you were getting his ultimate pick. So sometimes he'd use his network to actually move a line and then he'd come back with his, you know, he'd use a third level network to move the line and then he'd come back with his first level to buy it back once all those third level suckers gave it out to their buddies and ran it up. At least a third of the bets he made himself, he bought back before the game ever tipped off or kicked off. So you never knew for sure as a, but in the long run, you were still going to win with his stuff, but he manipulated everyone. He was all, he was like jujitsu. He was, or is it Taekwondo where he was using the strength of the other people, them trying to take advantage of Billy judo. against judo against him. <laughs> no talent. I'm not talking about talent. I said genius, genius. That I think is fair to say about Billy. And that's something, you know, most sharp or people, most Vegas related people know, but Billy's true talent wasn't picking games. It was moving money. It was moving money. Now, that 
was good. That was good. Maddie Holt, thank you so much. Great info. That behind-the-counter stuff is uh, special. This is R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Okay, Dave, any close? So we got her bet, though. Browns, and Dave got a good number here, five and a half. Any closing thoughts? Uh, none whatsoever. I, I guess the bottom line is I look at that and say they aren't they aren't super ready to grab up that six that's sitting out there. I was able to grab five and a half with Matt. So the line is saying Houston's two and a half points better on a neutral field against Cleveland. I disagree. You think they're more? I think they're more. All right, the bet's on. Those are batting words, as we like to say. Bills, Dolphins, Dolphins favored by four and a half. A lot of Bills respect. Let me see. No one has a like on the side. Fez, you like the total. Oh, you had a prop on that last game. You want to give it real quick? Yeah, not a surprise based on our discussion. I'm going to go over rush yards for quarterback Watson for Houston. I'm expecting it's going to come in the high 30s. My buy price, the highest I would go is 40 yards. So this is the eye test. He one. Someone might say one data point is square. Oh, but you're saying that data point's indicative of more than just the one game of good, it's indicative of his health. Exactly right. And just here on this podcast, one of the prop bets I have given out in the past was Watson going under 27 rush yards when he was dealing with the bruised chest and the bruised lung. So I've been ahead of the curve monitoring this, and now is the time to buy instead of sell the Watson rush yards. So it is nice that you are comfortable saying you're ahead of the curve. Yeah. I mean, you know, it just slip it in there. <laughs> You know, Maddie, one last question. How about 49 and a half? Oh. <laughs> what if I give you 50, your two to my 100? So he has to lay minus 200. So, so let me, uh, he wins two or I win one. Oh, yeah. I'll take I'll take over 50 plus 200. Okay. That's got a it. deal. Yep. 100. <laughs> Hundro. You're in. Boy, these guys love it. I mean, he looks like a little kid. He's got his hat on. He's got a big smile on his face. You just, this is like a poker game. I've never seen. It's all about like, it's four in the morning. There's three people. There's four people left and you're just trying to, Hey, let's raise it up to 10, 20. (laughs) Hey, quick question. And if it's a complicated answer, just give us high level. The screen went down this week and on Twitter, you saw all the, you know, bookie haters, which I accept them, uh, saying, Oh, look, no, all these sports book operators are making 300 a year, but uh, they don't know what to do because the screen's down. Did you hear about the screen being down sure. and how it like froze everybody? When you, yeah, but I have alternate screens. So yeah, but at this point, there's plenty of providers. So when we say the screen, I think it's, it's pretty sad. If I would say this, most sports books have multiple uh, providers. So you didn't see well. the sports books, <coughs> excuse me, struggling to book because that's what a lot of people were saying is they saw them uh, frozen seemingly, or is that just the squares of the square here in town? I think people look. I don't work for the sports book, so I don't care. So I, I defend them much less than I ever did. And some of the things they did, some of the guys that have been around for a while are, are undefendable as far as what they say. But 
I, I think some so guys... So you're talking generally right now. Yeah, I mean, some guys, you know, they still want to book like it's 1985 all the time and God forbid us ever use technology or get better at anything. Um, look, I, I think the screen going down will affect some book bookmakers a lot more than others. I completely short-circuited on Saturday morning. I could not function. I'm used to looking at the screen, seeing all the moves, seeing where the numbers are at all the books that I play here in Nevada. And it wasn't there. And of course, Maddie brings up the point. There's alternatives. I should have had a crisis uh, management um, situation built up. And or I take didn't. the morning hundred percent deal right now. I promise by the time we get on this show next week, you'll have dashboard access to our service. There we go. And I need it. So I, alternative. I, I have my emergency contingency yes. program in place because I took the next two hours off. Well, in theory, even if that happened only occasionally, if you do have the good numbers, the books are still booking. They're just, some of them are booking blind. Fez, that's your chance to really take advantage. Now, would you feel bad for the books and maybe lay off? Peace and love? What would you do in that case? Go for the jugular. (laughs) I'm the dirtiest player in the game. So really, it's not peace and love. You want them to think it's peace and love. Right. And get the bologna sandwich. <laughs> and get the bologna sandwich. <laughs> All right. So prop bet. You guys bet on it. Dave, you're good. We got that bet too. Action, action, action. Okay, Fez, you total in the Bills game. You got over 40. Yeah, it's all about both teams having upgrades at quarterback. So Osweiler was regressing. Tannehill came back. They probably rushed him back. He's got another week to get a little bit healthier. And of course, Peterman and that collection of misfit toys that the Bills have had at quarterback when Josh Allen was out was so underperforming. So you're looking at the underlying statistics for the offenses for these two teams. I expect nothing but improvement here in December. And let's face it, RJ, in the new NFL, you put a 40 up, you can get over just by accident. I'm going over 40. What do you think of that? Well, I'll tell you, besides Dave Essler, who's not down with YPP, it's the Buffalo Bills number 31 in the National Football League with 4.4 yards per play on offense. I know Josh Allen came in last week and they had a little bit better week, but I don't trust this offense enough to put my money down. I love the motivation. I love their defense. Uh, Again, another team with a losing record not going anywhere, but playing hard on the football field. You can see the effort there every game. But again, I think this is a max effort for both games, and I just can't ignore Buffalo. The fact that there is going to be days where Buffalo could get shut out. So, if you had to bet this, force lean, who would you lean towards side? I think this is the good spot for Miami. I think they tend to play better at home in the warmer weather. We saw a big effort from them last week with the return of Ryan Tannehill. Now I think with a game under their belt and a must win to stay alive in the playoff spot, I think they cover the short number against the Bills. Yeah, I was leaning that way as well, but it it seems to me that this is more of a one-way rivalry, that Buffalo gets up for Miami for whatever reason. Yeah, but Miami's in the playoff hunt. They're not going to not be up. After losing that Colts game... I don't know if they really feel they're in the play. What are their odds to make the playoffs? So it's, it's I mean, it's like, greater. It's it's significantly greater than it's not zero. worse than the Colts or it's better than the Bengals. So maybe so, maybe so. I I pass this. I'll be honest. That for more, I'm looking at this. This feels like we're almost certainly, and we'll see. Going to have Miami. I mean, I don't like a lot of games this week. I mean, we I really, but. I mean, I'm just again looking at DVOA. Now, one of the limitations of DVOA is. 
and I'm not exact. I gotta f- dig into this in the offseason. How do they handle injuries? But I know it's less than perfectly. Miami is 19th right now in DVOA. Buffalo is 28th. Miami's better with Tannehill. So if you're 19th with the blended Tannehill and, and Ostrich stats, that means you're better than 19th. And I don't think Buffalo's much better. I mean, I, I agree. And one of the reasons we liked the Bills last week was Josh Allen coming back that first week was, hey, at least he's back. But I mean, how good is Josh Allen? Against crappy Jacksonville and the worst motivational spot after ever with playoff revenge. And, you know, we called it a motivational mismatch for Buffalo at home last week. Yeah. And it was, I yeah. think. But he's better than Anderson and he's better than Barkley and he's so much better well, than Well, he wasn't Peterman. better than Barkley actually played yeah, yeah, that game. Yeah. Barkley did have one nice game, but yeah, Peterman, his only game was right, a nice game. Right. But Peterman, the four games were absolutely atrocious. And that's all going into those DVOA numbers. No, that's true. But it's so far off. This line's only four and a half. You're saying Miami's just a smidge batter. Yeah, let me t- let me take a look at where I got these two teams. So, Dave, force lean or like because you don't like this, or force lean Buffalo. Really, so op- they opened actually at plus six. I would love to have had that. More true, no? Um, yards per play, Buffalo. Let's look at the other side, Matt. Their defense. I believe they're number three in yards per play. Let's look at Miami's defense, 29th in yards allowed. You know, two of Allen's picks this year were at Green Bay, a second start, Lambeau. Got to give that a little bit of a discount. The fish defense might make him look a little better than he is. Division game, low total, have to lean towards Buffalo. It's four and a half now. It's actually sliding towards four. I I suspect it probably closes there. Yeah, I tell you, I like the Dolphins. Fred's last thought. Um, difference in power rings, Miami, two and a half points better Miami home field, two and a half points. So it makes it five. You know, there's another little caveat in there for me. Is that but we're assuming equal motivation there. That assumes equal. Yeah. Miami's got to play the Patriots next week. And that is always, if anything, there's two ways to think about it. One is we need to win this week because we have trouble next week. If they don't think they're really competitive against the Patriots. Valid point. All right. Yeah, I, I maybe this is game number five. We'll see. Okay, we got a more huh? five games left. Best bet from Astler coming up. First, our one and only commercial break. One commercial break and one commercial only. Simply Safe. You've been thinking about perhaps getting Simply Safe home security system, but have you been waiting for the holidays when all the tech deals come out? Well, you've made a smart move because right now I can get you a great deal on Simply Safe. Simply go to simplysafe.com slash dream, D R E A M. So that's the URL, simplysafe.com slash dream. Get 25% off any new system. Doesn't matter which system you pick, 25% off. That's certainly an amazing deal. Simply Safe rarely do anything like this, but they're doing it just for the dream preview. Simply Safe is a great protector and provides great protection for your home and family. You don't have to sign a contract. So you're protected in your house from intruders and such, and you're protected from making a mistake with any long-term contract and also no hidden fees. Great reviews for Simply Safe on CNET, PC Mag. Wirecutter, all of them say Simply Safe is the best security system there is. So if you're considering a security system, 
Now's the time. It's a special deal. It's a great deal. It's a rare deal. SimplySafe.com slash dream. Save 25%. Make sure to use that URL because it helps the show. It's a free roll, guys. If you're even considering it, one, you're locking yourself in with a 25% discount. Two, you're not locked in yourself. SimplySafe.com slash dream. We're back, baby. Best bets down the home stretch coming up, especially Esler's number one game. Fireworks, Bengals, Broncos, Broncos favored by five on the road. Fez, you like Cincinnati. By the way, the contest line four and a half. You like Cincinnati. Yeah, I like Cincinnati with some trepidation because I bet Cincinnati last week and that did not work out well. I, what can I tell you, RJ? All about line value here. The Bengals, what was this line just uh, one week ago? I'm trying to find it. So the look ahead line. Look ahead line, Cincinnati minus two and a half, and now they're catching five. Now I get it. Dalton is out. They're, Four and a half. And now there's a seven point line move here, bringing in Driscoll. And I think that the, you know, the, the downgrade is only about three points. Just, I think, too much of an adjustment for the quarterback. And, of course, the horrific Bengal performance against the Browns last week. So you just bookkeeping, again, three-point downgrade away from Dalton. Correct. What do you think on the downgrade there, Matty? Man, this is a debate that we've had in my office for, you know, we started having it last week. And we actually had a bet in my office that was fun on it. But, first of all, for my downgrade, I think it's about two and a half points um, because I don't, I think Dalton's actually, when all his weapons are there, is competent. But the bet we made in the office that's fun, I'd be willing to bet with someone here, and we'll have to talk about the odds, is will Andy Dalton start another game for the Cincinnati Bengals this year or be the starter in week one next year? So am I wrong that he's on injured reserve and he can't come back? Or He's out the rest of the year. So will he be the starter first game of next year? And what was telling to me is Cleveland's absolutely trunk, trucking the Bengals and Dalton gets hurt, holding his thumb. Driscoll comes in and I see this energy from this yes. dead Bengals team that's down 20 plus points and they play hard the rest of the game with Driscoll at quarterback. And what were the results? Um, they covered live wagering from that point forward. They lost by 15. Bengals lost by 15. So they came back from 20, lost by 15, and that's a sign they like Driscoll. They played hard for him, and they failed a couple times in the last two possessions when they got into Cleveland territory. They could have lost by eight. Look, Cincinnati's but that's the whole point of Driscoll sucking, right? Yes. He was unable to get them into the end zone those last two drives. I mean, what do we know about Driscoll? I mean, has anyone thought, you know, maybe they should replace Dalton with Driscoll? No. So I think Cincinnati might be ready to move on, though, from Andy Dalton. And they pay him a a hefty fee. It's sort of like the Joe Flacco effect in Baltimore. I, I don't think anyone thinks Lamar Jackson at this point is better than Joe Flacco, but it feels like the Ravens understand that, hey, Joe Flacco's salary holds our team back. And we're not likely to win another Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. We tried surrounding him with deep threat weapons this year that fit his throwing style. It worked okay. 
he doesn't seem to be the answer. What is? And I feel like that's what's coming up in Cincinnati at this point where, hey, we've never won a playoff game with Andy Dalton and things are getting worse and worse and we have to pay him. And if you looked, I think at the top six rated highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, none of them lead their division. This is the biggest difference in DVOA and Fezzik's rankings. Fezzik has Denver 17th. DVOA has the Denver Broncos number five. Wow. The fifth best team in the NFL. Fez, what do you think? Yeah, I don't see it. I Obviously. I understand Denver's had a hard strength of schedule, but I think just look at the last two weeks. They got outplayed. So well, hold on. The last two weeks... Where's the Chargers in your power rankings? Chargers are number six. And so Denver beats them on the road. And where's the Steelers? Number five. And Denver beats. So they beat the five, the fifth and sixth best team. But somehow the last two weeks is going to be a sign that Denver's not good. It's a sign they're overvalued. Okay. Now because they, that. well, because I give them credit for winning those games. But anyone who watched both of those games knows it was more about the Chargers finding a way to lose against Denver and the Steelers with their minus four turnover differential, finding a way to lose against Denver as well. They're out. Denver was outplayed significantly in both those games. I wonder, is there any scenario that you couldn't take a side of a team and really genuinely, at least seemingly genuinely make a case? Well, I did bet on a team that you could, you just made a case. The Bengals played well last week. I made a case that they responded to Driscoll. Yeah, so, but your general gist was it how bad the Bengals, if we just listened to your take on the Bengals, it was more positive and negative. Yes. After they got crushed, crushed. by the Browns. Annihilated. Browns lost 25 straight games on the road. 28 nothing Browns. <laughs> and the Bengals, Faz gives them a positive spin. With Driscoll, yes. <laughs> he, to, to be fair, I did bet on Denver last week against Pittsburgh. So it wasn't like I'm just... So you won, so you don't need to make excuses. You make excuses when you lose or when fortunate. you've got a bad bet. I was bat. fortunate to win that game straight up. Maddie, The one thing that really stood out to me here, and, and we talked about it with the Seattle Seahawks earlier, when they changed their offense and became more of a running team, their offense got better. Russell got better off the play-action pass, and suddenly Seattle Seahawks are a better team. Before three weeks ago, so you could make a case that Denver should be 3-0 and in their last three games. They lost that game to Houston that they should have won. Missed a field goal at the end. They, they lost 19-17, and then they won their next two at L.A. and versus Pittsburgh. <clears throat> what was the whole key to me in those three games? Case Keenum didn't throw any interceptions before those three games. Ten touchdowns, ten interceptions on the season for Case Keenum. That's not a stat that gets it done in 2018 NFL. Last three games, no interceptions for Case Keenum. And Philip Lindsay in that running game have really got going. And I'm wondering, is this a fundamental change where their offense has completely shifted? They got rid of Demarius Thomas, who we saw had two touchdowns Monday night. He's still surely at least close to his prime ability to play. They let him go. Suddenly, they're a running team in play action, and their quarterback isn't throwing interceptions anymore. And suddenly, they're winning football games. Was there a fundamental change or is it just a luck factor and he didn't throw any picks? Dave Ashley. And for me, this is process of elimination. The Bengals defense has allowed 198 yards rushing per game the last three weeks. Can't back that even with Fezzik's money. Keenum's better than Driscoll. Yes, Denver should not have beat the Chargers and should not have beat Pittsburgh, but they did. And where's Denver's mindset at? They're five and six. 
They're at Cincinnati, winnable game. After that, the 49ers, Cleveland, at Oakland, the Chargers at home. Potentially, those are all winnable games. I think Denver's gone from, what are we going to do next year, to, well, maybe we can get this done this year. So I would reluctantly have to lay those points with Denver. Here's a concept I haven't broken out this year, I don't think. I think some things, some factors are so big that the market never properly accounts for them. Weather's an example. Once or twice a year, that's it. It'll be snow and there's like, you know, a foot of snow. Total goes to 33. Total should be 19. Indy Buffalo last year. Freak off the lake snowstorm. And what was it, like 6-3 to three, if I'm remembering that game? I think 10 what, 9-3 in overtime? Yeah, but yeah. what was the total in the game? It, it, I think it was 39 and dropped to 37 and a half. That's, just, that's what I'm saying. They can't adjust enough. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen one of those monster weather games go over. I mean, I've seen snow on the ground, especially with the Patriots. They score a lot of points. But I'm talking about like the, hey, it's an extra point. It's 50-50. They're going to make it kind of thing. Right? I think the Bengals, with this Hugh Jackson rumor, of him being a, a head coach and waiting, this team is just discombobulated. Mm-hmm. Then you lose your starting quarterback. I mean, I don't, I, again, I, what's causing me pause is you saying with the eye test feds that you saw them get excited for Driscoll. How could you? I mean, Andy Dalton was not the problem on the Bengals. It's the defense. It's the problem. I mean, I think unequivocally the worst D in the last month. Well, the problem with the Cincinnati Bengals is their injury report is so long it doesn't fit on my computer screen. I have to scroll. It's twice, if not three times longer than any other team's injury report. And, you know, we kept saying, well, maybe it's get a little better. They'll get a guy back. Maybe they'll get A.J. Green back. They are missing so many weapons on both sides of the football that it's it's hard to know what you're going to get. Effort or not, there's no players left there. I mean, if the Bay, I mean, how much better are the Broncos? So that's interesting. So the Browns were minus one against the Bengals, right? And we're saying three points for Dalton. So if the Browns were playing the Bengals without Dalton, the line would have been four. Fez? I see where you're going. I agree. And what's the line between the Broncos and the Browns? Two and a half points. Yeah, it's, it feels like with the idea that just even pure power numbers this is a good bet. Forget that the Bengals are a mess. I think my Bengal power rating's wrong. And you think it's too good? I think it's too it's optimistic. It's hard to gauge with all the injuries. I don't, I, I don't, and, but I'm Denver. saying even with your optimistic number, there's value on Denver. It, you know, it, it's interesting because I got the Bengals, my number 30 team right now. So I have dropped them like a, like a bad habit downward. And even with them being number 30, and maybe you're right, I've got Denver underrated. I still want to seven we, points we, apart. What do you think? Remember, Fez likes Cincy here. You want to join me? Wait, let's do the button at the What si- is the number? Four and a half. We're getting a good number. AJ Green is back and Perfect is back. First of all, so. we're not sure AJ Green is back. Uh, Roto World says very likely to play. Yeah, I'm not sure that's even a good thing with that. With the quarterback <laughs> they have. And if if they don't throw to him in the first two possessions, he might like hit the quarterback over the head with his helmet. <laughs> I mean, you know, listen. Right now, four and a half minus one oh nine. Yeah, so we're getting the best of it at Pinnacle by a smidge. Let's think about this a second. 
I'm going to press this. I think. I'm shocked it's taking you this long because I would lay minus 800. You're pressing the. <laughs> it's called drama, dude. I just went. <laughs> Maddie, you want to double it like at the same moment? Yeah, I mean, whatever. I'm in. I'm always. All right, ready? One, two, three. <laughs> 600, baby. You know, Fez looks all upset. You got to love it. You got to love it when Fez is upset when he gets fat. You want to jump in, Dave? No, thank you. You'll probably win. I mean, I, I, <laughs> no, I wanted you. Listen, you're week. the light. You have a horseshoe up your ass right now. So I'm, I wanted you in with me. All right. Yeah, I'm in. You want to, I'll let you buy out for 50 bucks, Fess. Yeah, I'll buy out for both of you. I'll <laughs> buy out. I don't want this bet. You All want right. it for 50? Yeah. No, don't pay us next week. Yeah, <laughs> dude. <laughs> That's the, that's the first buyout ever. Uh, that was easy. <laughs> Probably negative EV to buy out, but it's good for branding to keep that piece of crap Bengal team off my portfolio. Yeah. Now let's play big bank, take little bank. <laughs> what do you think of that, Mackie? We back. We finally back. <laughs> Wait, let's let Mackie speak. We'll get sleepy thoughts too. Go ahead. First one of the season. I didn't think we'd see it. What'd you think, Slavy? I sense weakness in Fezzik's game. <laughs> oh, that was funny. <laughs> that made my night. <laughs> it was an interesting one. And I didn't even have opinion. I just said, I'm in. <laughs> oh, me, Maybe you the one that made him in. back out because he was scared of the big. You know, right before I sent over my paperwork, I was reminded by the pregame team, make sure you got five likes this week, Fez. <laughs> All right, next game. Dave, you want to pick up with Fez and we'll bet you on this? No, I'm just sitting here admiring the fact that Fez just ate it for 50 bucks put his ego aside and just moved on. Yeah, but that's given us a 16% return on our money. Uh, you know, but he's, but he's man enough to do that. I know. I give him credit. I'm happy I got the 50. Well, it's a win-win. I mean, it, only, co- it only cost him 50 bucks. I would have, I wouldn't have done that. I would have stuck by my gun. So it's the first time well, this year. Fed. Well, I give you credit. I Kudos. Next game. Ooh. So this feds, this was one you had borderline best bet, but it's just a like Rams. Lions, right now, line is Rams nine and a half. Fez, you like the dog. Yeah, I like Detroit here. You know, normally a team coming off a buy, especially a late season buy, is a team I want to back. But I really think that this line is incorporating the fact that the Rams are off of a buy and that's advantageous. And I don't know if it is compared to Detroit's situation. So Detroit played on Thanksgiving. They're used to this, 10 days off, and then they play at home again. Contrast that with the Rams. Yes, they're on a bye, but they also, five of their last seven weeks before the bye, I'm going to say they were on the road. It was really only four, RJ, but they spent a week in Colorado. So I got to count that as being actually worse. But doesn't the bye, isn't a bye more valuable for a tired team? Absolutely, it, it is. But the fact they had to play on a Monday night on a Thanksgiving week, I got a question. How valuable is all that bye time really going to be before they blinked? All of a sudden, it was Thursday, and Detroit was off as well. So because of that, I don't think they have the normal advantage of the two weeks versus the one week that most buy teams have. Plus, the aftermath of those fires. I mean, I was in L.A. Couple, you know, the week of the weekend of those fires, and it was a big deal. I mean, everyone seemed to either were, was involved in the Fox stations or Fox headquarters is right around the area. 
or they knew someone that was involved. And the fact they won on Monday Night Football. Now, I know with the new collective bargaining agreement, you have to have a certain number of days that are off. But I'm sure that with everything going on in L.A. and the trip to Colorado, that the coaching staff just said, great job, everyone. And I'll see you a week from today or whatever it is. Dave Ashler. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a strong lean in this lane. I can't take Detroit. Marvin Jones is out. Golden Tate's gone. Carry on Johnson's a maybe. Uh, I really wonder how Detroit's going to score. Look, the Rams defense has given up 27 or more points in four games. I know they played some really good teams. I think what really concerns me about the Rams here is do they just want to get out of this game with a win, fighting the Saints for best record, stay healthy. They play the Bears next week. So I, I don't think the incentive is there for the Rams to do what they could do. But I also don't think that Detroit has any tools to put the ball in the end zone. So I actually like the under in this game. And gun to head, I actually agree with Fezzik. Under is 55. So you like that? I do. Matty? Uh, you know, I can't get this this stat out of my head about the highest paid quarterbacks all failing so bad. Basically, if you overpay your quarterback and he is not a super, super, superstar, and even Aaron Rodgers is a superstar and Green Bay is failing, essentially, even if your quarterback is the best in the league and Aaron Rodgers is one of them, if you overpay your quarterback, you can't build a roster in 2018 NFL. And that's what we're seeing happening with the Detroit Lions. They cannot maintain a quality roster because Matthew Stafford makes so much money in a league with a really hard salary cap. And I just can't get that out of my mind that the Lions roster stinks and it's Stafford's fault. And now I don't want to play him. Now, Fez, this is another team uh, against EVOA. You've got Detroit 24th, weighted DVOA says 29th. And I wonder if that Monday, like we've seen these, especially that Monday night win against the Patriots. Has that stuck in our mind when we really evaluate this Detroit team? And what's been their good game otherwise? There hasn't been any good games. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like a Golden Tate trade especially was this year's over. We are, uh, we're, trading for culture we're trading for the future and i mean how does that demoralize a team that was in the playoff hunt look the dream spot for detroit was at home on thanksgiving day against their arch rivals bears without mitchell trubisky in the lineup and they uh, not granted they should have covered that game but they didn't after that what is this team playing for and, and frankly i keep waiting for matthew stafford to play back at the level that he's played under how Billy many points Bill? would you say he's worth 13. I think I had him in nine. <laughs> Bill, with Bill, with uh, what, what's the OC, the Billy Bob? Oh, Jim Bob Cooter. Jim Bob Cooter. You're saying his job's on the line. Well, it should be. Well, I, I just know I keep waiting for Stafford to come back to the numbers he's had the past three years under Cooter, and it just isn't happening. And, you know, I really thought that on Johnson being able to run the ball, a team that never could run before, made the difference this year. But that's all moot because on Johnson, even if he's going to play, is not going to be close to 100%. And that offensive he, line is not pass blocking for Stafford anymore. He said Cooter. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rams, couple numbers here. Last eight games, they've covered the Vegas number once. Two pushes. Covered the Vegas number once. Correct, Fez? Correct. NFL teams favored by over a touchdown since week four in the NFL, 28 and one straight up, 19, nine and one against the spread. Now, a lot of people were debating me on the Chargers against the Broncos. That line was seven. 
You agree with that, Faz? I do. So 28 and one, these favorites are just winning 19, nine and one against the spread. <sighs> I'm not pressuring it. I got my 50 from, I, I, I <laughs> made, I'm happy. Cardinals, Packers, Packers 13 and a half. Four teams all over the place. That's a super contest line, though. Dave Estler likes Green Bay. I don't, I, it's part I like Green Bay, but I don't like Arizona. You have Josh Rodison, 21-year-old kid, grows up in Manhattan Beach, California, spends a few years at UCLA, California. Now he's going to go play in Lambeau, which might be an intimidation thing in and of itself, but it's also going to be in the low 30s with snow showers. So I, I just cannot get behind that. The Packers, I look at the Packers, they're kind of a, a Bengals with Aaron Rodgers in terms of dysfunction maybe. But maybe that's a little overblown because the last four games they've lost have all been on the road, all the good teams. And that loss at Seattle it was on four days rest. So I think there's a little bit of an overreaction here to how bad the Packers really are. And with Aaron Rodgers coming out and telling everybody, they're going to run the table. I'm not sure I buy into that, but at least it tells me that they're going to give an effort. And I don't see Arizona putting up a whole lot of points. So I don't think it's going to take Green Bay more than 24 to cover that number. So you like the under two then? Cause I 24. Do. I do. To 10 or, or you're saying less than 10. Okay. You, uh, so you like the favorite and the under. Is there a problem with that? <laughs> Are you talking to me? I mean, that, that's that's typically not correlated. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, listen, he doesn't let the Vegas conventions dictate here. I look. I'm not trying to disagree with him, but I'm willing to give him two to one that the favorite in under doesn't get home. Now wait a minute. Oh come on, the t- ten wins. <laughs> What? I just throw an offer out there. Ten is it's plus two sixty, isn't it? I just throwing an offer out. Hey, Dave, he's willing to give you plus two hundred on a two sixty. That's so kind of you. If anything, that I was just throwing it out there. Let's just say this: that that is the vig in a nutshell. I'll hold hold out for four. I'll hold out to four hundred in the unlikely event the Ravens don't get it done. I will say this. Remember the Sopranos, right? I think we've all watched that, except Faz, you haven't watched anything in the last 15 years? Yeah, since 1991. (laughs) 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 But remember when Johnny Sack, the last season, was in jail and he was dying of cancer and he was talking about, you know, the, the, the boss before him and he was telling a story about like, oh, this guy gets to live, but finally... He wasn't you, and he goes. Then you can kill him. He goes. He can go. He goes. That in a nutshell was you know the guy's name. Well, that was the vig offered plus two hundred <laughs> on a two teamer. Now, Dave, I, I'm going to make you a fair offer. Remember, we're betting at no vig, so half points shouldn't matter as much to you. The market's pretty much fourteen. This is the uh, Westgate kind of taking a lead on a move they expect, which you know, which means. Whatever. They're not always right. I'll bet you if you give me Cardinals plus 14 at even money. For how much? Uh, our default bet's 300. Done. All right. Anyone want to jump on? Go, Pack, go. <laughs> I, I probably get Sleepy to hop on here with me. Sleepy? Wait, let's get Sleepy up. Go ahead. I like Arizona with the points. Ooh. 
You want to give CB a hundred? You want a hundo, C? No, and I'm a Packer fan and I'm fading him. <laughs> All right. All right. Here's some numbers on my side. Second half of the season. So this is when the winning percentage matters, right? You're not 0 and 1. Teams with a win percentage less than 41%, which is the Packers. So less than 410, however you want to say that. Favored by two touchdowns or more. Last 30 seasons, zero covers. Oh, by the way, they're 0 and 1. So what we're saying is this is a historically great team with the Packers general record of winning about 40% of their games or less. I don't think that's the case. Also, teams that lost their last two games and Green Bay's lost more. Or, well, actually, it is just two for Green Bay because they had that win in the middle with the Dolphins. Favored by 14 or more last 30 years. It's only happened 12 times, four and eight against the spread. The four and eight doesn't do it. It's just saying this is a historically big line. I don't think Arizona is a historically bad team. If you look at Arizona, now their offense is historically bad. Fez, do you even have Arizona as the worst team? Tied for worse with Oakland, but they're still point and a half better than the Cleveland Browns of last year. Last thing. NFL teams in Arizona's one. Lost the last game by 31 or more. And they're underdogs this week. 61% against the spread last 30 years. 135 winners, 88 losers, 10 pushes. Now that's a trend. You got 200 plus games at 61%. When a team gets crushed, everyone overreacts. And now if they're getting points. I don't disagree with that, but if you want to put your money on a quarterback. I've already done it. That's strong for 241 yards in the last two games. Go for it. We got a shooter. Maddie, what do you think? General handicap. Here, Here's my problem. Originally, I wanted to be on the Cardinals side as well. I mean, I, I could tell you that the entire Green Bay secondary, Davis, Breland, King, Green, they're all hurt this week. I don't know who's going to be playing in the secondary for the Green Bay Packers, but I do feel like they so are. Doesn't that help you on Arizona? It does, but the one thing that scares me is I thought this team was ready to collapse at this point. I really thought they were. And then Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't do a lot of team-orientated declarations, comes out and says, we're going to win out. And oh, by the way, he has done that before to come back and win a division. And I feel like it could be a rallying point in Arizona sucks. Or, so or it could bad. be a, it could be a death rattle. Sure, absolutely could be. You know, I saw Aaron Rodgers press conference. I didn't get the same feeling. He came out, he's like, Yeah, we're four, six, and one, so we're gonna have to beat Arizona. Then we're gonna have to beat and he listed the five games in a row. He says, You know what? And that still might not get it done, but we gotta try. It was it contrast that with with the year. Not that he, necessarily like win one for the giver. Well, just a few years ago when they were really had a poor record and he absolutely said, we're going to run the table basically. And they did. Dave, I'll let you buy out for 50. No, <laughs> I mean, you just better hope David Johnson has a, a, a fantasy all-star day. <laughs> or I can, can I, just hope that the Packers aren't very good and they're laying 14. I get it. It's a little bit on the S-Q-U-A-R-E side. Next game, Chiefs, Raiders, talking about laying the lumber. 15, or actually 14 and a half in the contest. No one has anything here. Fez, we'll start with you. 
I got nothing on this game. I put down Lean Oakland, and the more I thought about this, do I want to upgrade this to a like RJ? You know, that chief team is so dynamic. On so you want to upgrade Raiders to a like? No, I do not. I uh, I pass this game. This is a trend. I This will be a world premiere trend here because I, I, I haven't heard this anywhere else. Anywhere. Teams that score 37 or more points and lose the game. And that's what Casey did on that Monday night game. 39 and 16 against the spread. Makes some sense. Makes some sense. You lost, so you have all the focus that comes around that, all of the maybe downgrade in the eyes of the public. But you're you're kind of hitting on all cylinders offensively. Now, it could be your defense is that bad or a couple fumbles, a couple whatever. It caused you to lose. Also, the Raiders, you know, if you look at the weakness of the Chiefs, and this is interesting because every it's kind of been a default, oh, Chiefs have a bad defense. And they, you know, it's certainly not a good defense. But Fez, you've got these numbers. My sheet felt. What give me the Kansas City defense against the run and against the pass? Number 13 against the pass, 32nd against the run. Now, are the Raiders, first of all, the Raiders aren't a right, good running team. But if they're behind, let's say that, you know, what would we assume that half the time Casey's up seven and a half and half the time they're up 10? I mean, it's somewhere in the mix, like what the halftime line is going to be here, right? Is what, eight and a half or nine something? and a half? Yeah. yeah. If that's the case, let's say nine or 10, when's the Raiders running? They're not going to be running. So now you're throwing in the Kansas City strength. So this KC team is built for margin. I think they don't have mercy. And we know Andy Reid off a of bye. All right, that's the famous trend. So I don't love it, but I'd be willing to bet it at uh, Novick. Those Raiders have so I like it. major problems on the O-line with some rookies on there as well. And, you know, one thing about the Chiefs, even though that D not rated that high, somewhat opportunistic. We saw that against the Rams. They can make big plays, and it uh, wouldn't surprise me if they don't get a defensive touchdown. In fact, that might be a good prop bet. Will there be defensive touchdown plus 160 in this game? Yeah, and all the pass rushing stats, they're about average. They actually do generate a little bit of a pass rush. Dave Esler. Uh, no huge opinion on this one. I, I'll wait and see. You know, Casey's injury report. There's a chance Eric Berry plays. That would obviously make a huge difference in that defense. I want to see if Sammy Watkins is going to play. He's listed as questionable. All I do know is that I am not laying 14 or more points on the road. I'll give you action. In a division game. You know I will. All right, let's see. Will. What's the line here? It's 14 and a half. All right. Hey, I mean, I like it. I can't control it. Look, I mean, I took the worst of a right, half what's the point preamble? last week. What's the preamble? You either press I took the three the button worst. or we move on. I took the worst of it. You give me 15 and you got to bet. You're insane. I took five and a half instead of six last that week. Sounds like you, sounds like you made a mistake. No, I got home, didn't I? Cross. <laughs> then, then you don't need those numbers. All right, you're in. <laughs> I'll take fourteen and a half. All right. Raiders Next. have been playing hard. They played hard again last week. They, I mean, they're not good, but they don't. It's not a lack of effort. They just they're not a good football team. True. That's the truest thing you've said in a while. Jets, Titans. We only got three games left, baby. We're only, you know, we're over two hours, but what the hell? We got Dave Essler with us. Mackie, quick question. I'm looking at the notes. You're on air here. You have whiteout. 
Like, <laughs> what was the scenario that you had? You whited something out. What was the scenario you had white out ready to go? We had a change in opinion. No, but how did you get the white out? It's here at the office. Was it yours or or in our our uh, just general it's in pre- our repertoire? Ooh, we're ready for anything, Fez. Jets, Titans, Titans, eight and a half. Once again, no one's got anything. Let's do it quick. Fez, first thoughts. You know, we don't know the quarterback right now, Wednesday. Yeah, we don't know the quarterback. I don't know if it much matters. I'm going to talk about an advantage way that I bet this game that some people might want to consider doing. There's only one game I like this week in the teaser. It's the Titans from seven and a half down to one and a half. Not that many books, but some books, RJ, will let you open up a two team teaser where you can go ahead and play the Titans with an open spot and fill it the next week. Do you have to fill it the next week? It depends on the book's rules. That'd be interesting if you could just have like maybe four teasers a year and wait for the eight best Optimal spots. Optimal time. It, 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 some of them actually expire, so you got to be careful with that. But that is how I bet this game. Boy, the Titans, though, I get going through the advantage numbers of seven and three, but the Titans seem to play down to their competition as much. They seem to play up and down. They're one of those teams. That worries me playing down here. But that's just an impression. Matty. So similar to the Jacksonville Jaguars last year, that once they get out in front of you, they could blow you out. But if they ever got behind you, they never came back. Tennessee reminds me of that this year. They are not a good come from behind team. If they get behind two scores, they are not built to come back at all. But when they get in front of teams, the New England Patriots, uh, we've seen it a few times where they're good front runners, similar to Jacksonville Jaguars last year. Their defense is good. If their pass rush can pin their ears and come after you, they're good. They're good running the football. So when they have a big lead, they start leaning on you and pounding it on you. I think this is actually a game where, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to want to back the Jets because it's a short week of rest for Tennessee. The Jets are coming in with some rest and, uh, you know, their starting quarterback might come back. All right, we're all looking for Sam Darnold to come back and maybe give us a spark here with the Jets offense, which has been anemic. But this is a must-win spot for the Tennessee Titans if they're going to stay in this playoff race, just one game back of the Baltimore Ravens right now. I, I think that... uh you know, gun. To, I don't really like the game, but gun to my head, I might actually lay it here. I think if I'm playing, I'm laying. <laughs> Dave Ashler. Yeah, I'm kind of like Matt here, gun to head. I mean, it's really hard for me not to take the Jets, just strictly based on numbers. You have a total of 40, and some offshore books, you can get nine or nine and a half. You know, what's that? A little less than 25% of the points before the game starts. And that's I thought the correlations didn't matter to you on these games. They only matter when money's involved. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the thing about Tennessee. You know, uh, the Jets, yeah, they played the Patriots tough, but they always play the Patriots tough. The Tennessee coaching staff is all ex-New England, Vrabel, Dean Pease. Tennessee backfield is all ex-New England. They know the New York Jets probably better than that's anybody. That's a good point. They're not going to be as motivated to beat the Jets as they were to beat the Patriots, and I, I, I actually was against my Patriots that game. That was very predictable. Uh, but I just think talent-wise, knowledge-wise, preparation-wise, that would make me lean with Matt here. Uh, I, would, I would have to almost lay the wood. Totally agree with Fez. It's a great team to tease down. That was a great point about the former Patriots. I think it also adds to their motivation. They don't like this Jets team, right? So, by the way, Dave Esler on Twitter at Dave underscore Esler. We got two games left. Let's talk about the special. Here's the coupon. 
DREAM25, D-R-E-A-M, all caps, 25, 25% off anything. Use it once, use it twice, use it as much as you want through Monday. But we also have a special offer. We did it for Ken. We're doing it for Dave. Ken Thompson yesterday on college. Dave, today, though, we've got a package to get all his football rest of the year through the Super Bowl and a package with all the football plus plus all the basketball through the end of February. So all the way to March 1 for less than 100 bucks more. And with Dream 25, you're saving almost 100 bucks. I mean, if you've thought it, listen, you thought Dave on tape, who knows? You heard it. This guy, depth of knowledge. And I've said it once, I'll say it again. As many wins as anybody at pregame over the last five plus years. This guy's a proven documented winner, Dave Esler. So Twitter, Dave underscore Esler. And no matter what you use it on, Dream 25, you go, you add your package, and there's a coupon area in the shopping cart. Dream 25, you can save upwards of 100 bucks. Esler and Ken have those special packages. Unlimited use. Enjoy. All right. 49ers, Seahawks, nine and a half. Fez, you and the 49ers, baby. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, let me jump on a little trend before you start. Without Jimmy G, the 49ers are three and 31 straight up. Three and 31 last 34 games. Yeah, and I like the 49ers (laughs) here. And fortunately, they don't have to win the game, so maybe I won't get green buttoned. Just, um, I think, a little bit of a Seattle letdown spot. They had the game against the Chargers, big name team. And at the Rams, very big name team. Green Bay still carries the big name. And that was a vital game for Seattle to win to keep their playoff hopes alive. And then, of course, the showdown at Carolina, who they're battling for a wild card. So four straight. I was all over him last week in that showdown. <laughs> four straight. Mark, he gives had it the whole way. And now they play the 49ers. So I think a little bit of a flat spot for hate going against Seattle at home. You know, what's funny, a normal person, a person with a conscious conscience, they <laughs> like when they get a lucky win, they're a little humble about it. They're a little quiet about it, a little timid about it. There's that, that special kind of psychopath. That when they win one lucky, they like to like, they like to screw it in, like, like turn that knife. Cannonball it. And then one more, he's right on top of cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. When I used to play in chess tournaments, RJ. No, yo, please tell this story. <laughs> and I played a, cr- I played a crushing move. I would like move my knight and I would screw it into the board. Like that knight staying on the sixth rank the rest of this game. <laughs> <laughs> Banana. I mean, thank God we didn't miss that. <laughs> I have no strong opinion on that game whatsoever. I, I I don't disagree with Fez, but I would have a hard time putting my money on San Francisco. I, I worry a little bit about Seattle's defense, giving up that 27 to Carolina, 24 at home the week before, 36 to the Rams, 25 to the Chargers. Not a lot but a lot more than we're used to seeing them give up. It is potentially a flat spot. They have Minnesota next week. I'm not going to put any money on the game. Gone to head. I got to go with Fez and take the points, but I'm very reluctantly. So Fez, you didn't, you had the 49er. That line got bet like crazy on the 40. Were you on that? That, that steam 49ers last week? I, uh, 
I'm not going to lie. I did a bad job with my late releases because I chose to fade the steam with the Bengals and I was going to fade the steam and go ahead and bet against the 49ers with Tampa Bay. I don't know what I was thinking, RJ. Well, you did. the wrong team. I did not. I mean, that steam didn't make any sense to me on Tampa. I mean, or on the 49ers against Tampa. It did not. The three and thirty-one without Jimmy G. It made me so mad because I had that bet with Brad, and I'm like, I'm laying three and a half, and the rest of the world's laying one and a half. I'm so mad. <laughs> but with you, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Easiest bet in the world. I have a sharp friend that made a case for the 49ers that talked me out of it. Fez, though, you're on the season. How are you doing in football? Uh it's I think NFL is like right around 58%, but still, RJ, on my weekend plays. Oh. Wait, 58%? Yes, 58%. Well, you, that's 55 is how you get a mansion in a yacht, right? Fair enough. Want to be at 60. Well, yeah, yeah. What did Junior Soprano said? I want to bang Angie Dickinson. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all right, guys. There's one game left in Esslers. Fast bet. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Go, Dave, go. All right. Uh, best bet. Get your green buttons ready. <laughs> New England over Minnesota. Ooh. I have to do this. I mean, the Patriots already told you that Tennessee loss was predictable. The Jets game last week being closer than expected was super predictable. I guess for you guys, the ending was very good. Yes. But I wonder now, after those games, is New England undervalued? They're laying five at home. So they're telling me that the Patriots are two points better on a neutral field. I'm not ready to swallow that. Plus, I mean, New England probably is better than three at home. Well, and a big deal here. This is a late game, 425 Eastern start. It will be pitch black. It might as well be a night game. It's going to be very chilly. You got a dome team going to play outside. That's always a factor. Please find me a good Minnesota road win. You won't. Vikings just plus 19 point differential. New England at home with Brady, 127 and 22. How do you bet against that? Minnesota's got some reasonable stats playing the Jets, the Cardinals, the Bills, the Lions, and the 49ers. The only two teams they played with a reasonable offense, the Rams and the Saints, they lost to, and the Patriots will be the third team, and they'll lose to them too. Interesting. I got to be honest with you, Fez. When we did our AP lines and we, pregame.com, official odds provider for the Associated Press, and we put out the first numbers I see on Sunday, no books are open yet, and you are the anchor of that for sure. You had Patriots six and a half was your first number here. So that means you got to like the Pats at five, right? It's certainly the side that I'm leaning towards. But what what's causing you pause? Uh, you know, the initial number, I was confused about this game. I wasn't sure what number to send. If you recall, RJ, I texted you over five and a half, and then I changed it to six and a half. So I'm wondering if I got talked into a higher valuation because I checked with one of my my experts as well. My initial number had actually was five and a half, but other the other guys I checked with actually had made it higher. But obviously you went that way because you were convinced. Why, yes. I mean, why would you put out a number you didn't like? Well, I think Dave's analysis is spot on. Are you telling me that New England is only two points better than Minnesota? That's ludicrous. Of course, they're more than two points better and they've got a solid home field. So what's causing you pause? The money has been coming in on the Vikings, the early money. 
And so that's a little bit of a concern. I want to find out who's well, betting the Vikings and why. That, I am a much. pussy. I get jelly in <laughs> Penny the... Penny was 10 cents off. <laughs> I get jelly in the belly. Real scared whenever I see money coming in. And it's probably a leak. I, I should trust my numbers and bet Especially nobody. this early because, yeah. I mean, you see it get reversed a bunch this early, right? I mean, come game day again, it's a, you know. I haven't seen as many reversals this year than I have in prior years. It's been a one-way train on a whole lot of line moves this year. I thought the Pats were, in, in fact, we bet them or we had them in the Super Contest. They were in a home run spot, I thought, last week. And they were very lucky to cover. I mean, we did a little... Back of the napkin math, they were probably 80% Jets to cover their late third and two from the two. And Patriots weren't going to score after that. Probably, you know. So in a home run spot against a Jets team with McCown, you know, I agree with Dave. It had been five in a row. We talked about it that the Jets covered at home. But in Belichick's tenure, the Patriots had dominated the Jets. It was, you know, so the question is, is it just the last five games that mattered or was it the last 15 years? I always want a bigger sample size if things are consistent. Belichick consistent, Brady consistent. So I don't think it's easy to say, oh, the Pats always struggle at New York because they don't over the 15 plus years. Six in a row now. Yo, I agree, but still it's below, they're well above 500, the Pats. In that spot. So what I'm saying is, I, I don't think you can just dismiss the way the Pats played. They were off a bye. They were off getting destroyed. And the revenge, as we talked about. And it was 13-13 late in the third. That's what I'm saying. Who could be impressed by that Pats team this week? That causes me pause. Now, that all that said, you go bro- broke betting against it. There's always a reason to bet about against Belichick. And he's 60% against the spread since their Super Bowl. First one, 2003. And no other team's better than 55. That's a fact. You might say, oh, it's 5%. Well, think about it. 52 and a half to 55 is, let's call it two and a half, right? It's 52.38, but let's call it two and a half. 52.5 to 60 is seven and a half. So the second best team has an edge over the number in that span that's one third as big as the Patriots. Patriots, seven and a half points over break even. The second best team, two and a half points over break even. That isn't a small difference. It's triple the return. So I can just go to the window on every single game, lay the Patriots, and they say, hey, it's minus $1.25, and you say, no problem, I still have the edge. And again, it's back to the old uh, past results don't <laughs> assure future ones, but I, I, it's the same thing with the Pats. The numbers don't back it up. They fight The Bears game, Fez, it's been one of the banes of your existence. Oh, somehow the Pats won. And, you know, what a great point is my power ratings typically say, hey, there's a little bit of value fading the Patriots. Now, this week, there's value taking the Patriots. What am I doing? I should consider it. David, let me ask you a question. You lived in Boston for how long in the area? Oh, upwards of 25, 30 years. And you follow the Pats every play? I was going to games with my dad in Fenway Park before probably most people listening to this were born. (laughs) So what... You're the guy that we respect. I mean, Maddie probably less than me, but we respect for thinking differently than the average Vegas echo chamber. What is it about the Pats? Because we all have to agree the stats and the performance of the Pats are not aligned. Over the last 15 years, Fez, 
the Pats have outperformed their stats almost every year. Yeah, and the, one of the reasons is obviously like in the Super Bowl, when they're kicking off to Atlanta, they keep kicking to the two-yard line instead of in the end zone. I would argue that strategy alone won them the, that Super Bowl. So the question is from your eyes, from your view, Dave, what is it that's not captured in the stats that the Patriots do well? I'm not sure I can answer that. I mean, I, I, I know the Patriots... I know what they're capable of doing. And I, to me, I mean, you brought up the last two games. I got to just throw them out. Why? Because I think that Tennessee game was a total setup. What's a setup? It was a setup in that everybody and their brother thought the Patriots were going to win except me. I, I knew that was going to happen. Why, though? What did you think was the cause? Same reason I think Tennessee will beat the Jets this week. You have Malcolm Butler. You have Mike Vrabel. I mean, they just had so much motivation. I mean, Butler even came out after the game and said, "No, I agree with that. That well, was something we underestimated yeah. in that game." Yeah. And, and the Jets, you know, do they do they cover against the Patriots? No, but if they're twenty four point underdogs, they always play them a lot closer than they should. It's just historic. So I don't care what happened last week. I don't care what happened the week before. What's your handicap, Manny? Man, I want to take the Vikings here because I, I'm seeing that the window is closing on Tom Brady. You can finally, for the first time, see that, that the physical abilities are starting to diminish there and maybe diminish at a rapid rate. But the, the problem he, me for me with the Minnesota Vikings this year is I finally have come to the conclusion in my mind that the Minnesota Vikings are what their stats say they are, which is a very average football team. Yards per game, 14th. Points per play on offense, 16th. Yards per play on offense, 16th. Red zone touchdown scoring percentage, 25th. This is an average football team with a slightly above average defense right now. And some of us, and, and I've been a victim of this myself this year, are treating them like they're a top six team when really they're probably in that 9 to 12 range. Fez, good news if you like the Pats. Sonny Michelle, 133 yards last week. Yeah, you know, one thing we should mention, the Patriots on offense are way healthier than they've been all year long. That's why I like the over in this game, frankly. Gronk, Edelman, Michelle, and, of course, they acquired Gordon. So all of these guys were out for or injured a good part of the season. All right, guys, great show, long show, but, boy, what information. Thanks to Dave Essler. Remember, Dave underscore Essler, E-S-S-L-E-R. A lot of action. We'll recap it next week. Wow, a lot of action. Lot of action. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.